0: dogs. Look at us now tip to tip.
1: This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm
0: Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
1: Oh, yeah, we're back, baby. Friday, July 8th, 2022. And this right here. Your double vax, double award winning morning combat, the best damn sports lifestyle combat podcast that they've ever made right here, right now. Two old dads trying to mind their way through the wilderness of life, age, age. Six days in Vegas, maybe a couple COVID positives, but we're back at it on BBC with that BDE. You know me by a few of my nicknames, the Brian Campbell right here. I'm going to man this show today. I'm I'm the ones and twos. Friday is, yes, for the art, but while you stay for me, you cometh for that man next to me. 100,000 YouTube subscribers could not be wrong, okay? He is the backbone of our success here. He is Luke Thomas. Luke, how the hell is your physical recovery from um
0: sin city oh it's 154k just to be very clear but uh of my physical health but who's counting who's counting i mean who's who's doing the numbers here but i what i I would say is uh i feel much better today Uh i never felt all that bad in terms of like cold symptoms little cough little sniffle nothing bad at all it was just that yesterday i was dog tired Yes. and on top of that i was i never caught up from when i got home from vegas because i can't sleep in vegas i can't sleep in hotels anymore and my whole shit's messed up so i just rolled into that and yesterday i just decided to just sleep all day my wife actually demanded that i sleep as well so uh but See, I now feel this, today, yesterday I feel great. everybody I feel demanded great. that i not sleep you know we had we had opposite situations going on yes all right but in general i got a little bit of cough left but i feel i feel pretty good i feel pretty good how about you I
1: am technically uh, COVID negative, but positive for just being an absolute old piece of shit who can't recover from six days on the road. So uh, my symptoms are getting better, though. We're going to make it through this show together, okay, As the uh, like, like we do, all right? Uh, thumbs up on this show, this video. Please subscribe to what we're doing on YouTube. I mean, look, it's special, right? They give us awards for this shit because you people are so vibrant, viral uh, rabid, all right? And we thank you for that uh, right there. You can also go to youtube.com slash combat, get all of our bonus stuff, the best interviews. I mean, look, that high court it's high comedy at the very least, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I do agree with some of the criticisms. We actually could do a bit of a better job debating. We, we kind of put an artificial time limit on it. I think we should try it again hit a bong first and then do the debating but actually have like a long drawn out debate. It could work it could work bc all
1: right all right i did get uh Ch- I-, I popped for chuck mindenhall's merkin joke about his uh pubic wig uh, you know he worked that in there underneath the radar i didn't see that one coming but uh a lot of great one-liners on that shit so thank you very much for the support obviously you know about our merch store look at this shirt right here i mean look how good this looks on my uh decrepit body here Morningcombat.store. not only do we have the best merch in the world, arguably the best merch master in RJ uh, Dunklecrack. But he's going to give you, the consumer, the viewer, right now through Monday, how about this weekend special, 20% off. We're going to debut a big-time new shirt on Monday, folks, so wait for that. But this weekend, the already existing thing, we're not just trying to get rid of the stuff that doesn't sell. <clears throat> this is a quarterly gift to you, folks. Go on MorningCombat.store, 20% off Right now, uh, a lot of seasons, lot, a lot of shit to wear for that. So uh, get on board. Enjoy that. Whether you like Luke's Deadhead or my Factory Town MMA line, a lot of good shit there. Tank Top season also ahead of us. Uh, Showtime, you know about that label that does pay us. The only place to catch Bellator MMA. How about this Saturday night, Showtime Championship Boxing from San Antonio, which is gonna have a nice little special surprise. We'll get to in a minute, but go to showtime.com right now if you don't already have it. Get your 30 days free. Tell them. BC sent you. And Luke, speaking of uh Saturday's triple header headlined by uh WBC Featherweight champion Mark Magsayo in a very entertaining fight. Uh, how about you and I on the um preliminary card? Do you wanna reveal that, Luke?
0: Um, Yeah, I guess you and I are gonna do like a what would you call it? Like a fight Uh,
1: companion, a a uh, maybe watch party live fight companion. You're gonna get so here's the deal. There's gonna be two untelevised streaming fights before the main card. I believe what was it 5:45 ish PM Eastern start. Is that true? That's right.
0: Yeah, it's about right. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: You can find it on Showtime Sports and Showtime Boxing's YouTube channel, Facebook, wherever you can find that stuff. Luke and I watching the fights, breaking it down, entertaining you. Uh, it's a little experiment that we're, that we're working on slowly, Luke. We're, get, we're, we're, we're tinkering with it, but don't forget to check that out only, of course, on Showtime, so get your 30 days free. But, Luke, we got one thing to bring back to the people. So much of our success is because of them. In fact, Luke, today, only two people were able to realize this, you and former producer Al Wenling, that today is the three-year anniversary of the launch of this here morning combat
0: it truly is oh uh, i just got a tweet from the legend himself steve farhood congratulating you and i so nothing makes it more official than getting a uh, shout out from someone we respect so much like that but dude i didn't even realize it today until one of our the former employees who worked on the show had mentioned it on twitter or uh excuse me on instagram uh, al wendling shots to her and uh dude what a great anniversary what a great little surprise yes you and I look like we've been beaten with uh, you know, leather straps and belt buckles and we look like, you know, fart sacks full of doorknobs, but and we're full of communicable diseases that we have yes. taken True. across the country. True. But but that aside, I have to say, I dude, I love this little thing that we have. I, I am so grateful for everyone on staff. I'm grateful obviously for you as well and um, and I'm grateful for the fans. This is a, this is a nice thing we have going here. It really is. Hopefully, I don't ruin it today by getting drunk on air and drinking margaritas and trying to uh, digitally hump you in front of the audience. I <laughs> promise not to do that. Okay. It was a
1: nice response though from that. I thought you were amazing, maybe too far, but amazingly humble and honest, and I appreciate it. But a lot of people saying, "Luke, don't change for us. Be that motherfucker. Be that old." Well, see, bagger. I
0: thought about this. So I thought about that. Do you agree with this? If we had done a more formal show up front for longer, which by the way, you stressed to me that we should do, our producer Mikey stressed to me to do, and I just completely fucking ignored it, but let's assume for a second we had done 45 minutes or more of a regular show, and then we slowly descended into chaos, yes. and then I peaked at, you know, Frank the Tank. I don't think people would have cared. No. The problem was no. there was no foreplay. It was zero to well, 60.
1: The problem, because, you know, I did get some flack of saying, wow, so switch of role reversal here. BC playing the the wet blanket trying to bring the show down. If he would have just been funny, that show would have worked. Luke, I could have dealt with Frank the Tank if we could have heard each other and yeah. the audience could have heard us. Look, we can, MK has a history of making shit sandwiches that are edible out of shit, plain shit, okay? So we could have done that. We had some hiccups. We'll be better from it. But, Luke, here's the deal. Maybe this will trigger... Another live show. Maybe I go back to the bosses at CBS Sports because we got another opportunity for our listeners. Luke, there's a um, a yes, group, a well-respected group called the People's Choice Podcast Awards. You may remember last year, we got at Morning Combat got nominated for Best Sports Podcast and Best Male Hosted Podcast, both of which we didn't win, but we did get named to their list of 2021 podcasts. Listener Influencers of the Year. We've got that trophy in our Jersey City bomb shelter. But we're back, baby, and so are they. So, Luke, for 2022, Morning Combat right here have been nominated. The same two categories again, Best Sports Podcast and Best Male Hosted Podcast. So here's what we need you to do. We always appreciate you guys. You guys got us to where we are here today because of your support, your rabid energy that we talked about. If you want to see another live show, maybe... I don't know UFC at, at, at N, in NYC at MSG maybe maybe something around there this fall November we'll see, but here's how we have to get there, to advance to the final round here we need you to nominate us go to podcast awards slash app which is app slash sign up I know that sounds like a mouthful but Luke I went through the exercise this morning it's really not that hard it takes 60 seconds we need you to go to podcast awards slash app, slash sign up, hit the sports category, toggle down, light up morning combat if you believe in us, and we've even included the link that I'm talking about here at the top of the episode description on
0: YouTube. So, Luke, you already know what to tell the people to do. Go vote. Like the Democrats. <laughs> Go vote. Right? That's all we have to say left. Go vote. Uh, but seriously, Voter you guys, guy. these these. The, well, it, it, the, the reality is this, like, voting on these things our bosses pay attention to it they pay attention to it yeah. and so when it's you guys it's superficial fulfill as
1: it, shit luke but it works okay
0: yeah like it's not going to change the way we program it's not going to change the way we do the show it doesn't mean anything in that sense but in terms of what the up the upper management thinks about what they can do with the show or what things we can like pull from what concessions we can get it actually really matters quite a bit so obviously it's nice to be nominated thank you for um the awards for for nominating us but the next step is let's let's go win one and let's see what we can get from it
1: yeah absolutely and i forgot the name of that fellow from india luke your home country it was arun that came all the way to vegas last time to say hi can't wait to meet whatever our next live show brings us can't wait to continue to meet our weird uh and amazing uh people that back us but luke that's about all i got unless i'm missing something here you want me to sell anything luke
0: no just one more time Cool little anniversary snuck up on us. I'm glad it kind of snuck up on us in this way rather than making a bigger deal better than it is. But one more time for everybody. Thanks. This is great. I love this job, and I'm lucky to be here. And uh, let's have a good show.
1: Luke, three years ago, I, I, I flew on a late Sunday night red eye. I believe I had some flight troubles to get into Jersey City. We did our first episode in that bomb shelter that they put together in about 10 minutes. Do you remember what flight card we were coming off of? It was, it was an international fight week. I, I believe
0: was it? it was Jones Reyes, if memory serves. No, no no, Jones, no, no, no. Jones Mahetta, that's right. Jones Mahetta, that's it. Jones Mahetta. It was a John Jones fight. I remembered that. That's it. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right.
1: Uh, also, Luke, before we get into the first topic, I got to shout out one of my
0: favorite legends, the
1: 82-year-old now behind us, RIP, to James Caan, the James all-time Con. great actor. Luke, I mean, what... I mean, you know, whether you like Elf and Misery of his more contemporary stuff or whether you like The Damn Godfather or The Thief or The Gambler. Dude, this guy was as cool as as shit gets. Luke, would you agree?
0: Dude, he had legendary roles in some of the most important movies ever made. His career spanned from the 60s to the 70s to the 80s to the 90s. And even after that, he had meaningful roles. Yes, he kind of had a certain bravado, but... He played a character in a lot of different movies, like from Elf, as you mentioned, to Godfather. Dude, it's even funny. Like, I was just like, you know, just trying to kill time yesterday, recovering on the couch watching Netflix, and I watched The Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not the best movie, but James Kahn was in it. And I was like, dude, this guy was relevant for decades in this industry, yes. making yes. crazy big films all along the way. Incredible career. Rest in peace, too. We, we throw around the word legend a lot. No, that dude's a legend, for real. No, that dude is a legend. He
1: did a really good interview with Mark Marin of the WTF podcast like a year ago, Luke, just sum, summing up his whole career. Check it out. Also, 1974's The Gambler. That might be my favorite role of him. Uh, incredibly weird and in, in, in violent <laughs> movie. Check that out. Thank you, James Conn. All right, Luke, also uh, R.I.P. Boris Johnson's political career, but I don't think you have thoughts about that, or at least no one wants to no, hear No, I don't that. care. I don't really okay, care. thank you very much. All right, uh, 16 minutes of filibuster later... We're back to start the show off the top. And, Luke, let's get it said. It's a quiet but but still powerful combat sports weekend, especially coming off the hangover from International Fight Week a week ago. UFC Vegas 58 Fight Night Apex, whatever the hell you want to call it. How about this for a lightweight main event on Saturday night? We hit you with the storylines on Wednesday. Today we talk about what the hell is this going to look like. Rafael Dos Anjos, the former champion, Two-fight win streak back at 155, making this weight cut work in his late 30s, still viable as shit, and he's taking on that freight train that is a five-fight winning streak. Raphael Faziv, the Kazakh Thunder, Luke. Um, I said on Wednesday I expect two things, all action and a lot of violence if this goes the full five rounds. I watched fights from both of them this morning, Luke, because of how much you and Dominic Cruz, you know, really implore that 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 tape watching is essential to this job, Luke. All right, I'm coming around. All right, you, you old beast. All right, uh, Luke. When you look at this
0: matchup, what, besides age and experience, what really separates these two? Well, first things first, is he Kazakh? I thought he was kyrgyzstani slash Azerbaijani.
1: Uh, I thought he was born in 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 Kazakhstan. Did I, you know what he, I mean? Luke? I,
0: I can't you know, I can't keep up with his name. I know he, was, he has. Yeah, yeah, he was. I know he has represented Kyrgyzstan and. Uh, and Azerbaijan to an extent. Okay, but the his question mother, you have
1: Let me tell you, his mother was Russian, his father was Azerbaijani. He yeah. grew up in Kyrgyzstan, but he was born in Kazakhstan. So look, he's got all the bases covered for that yeah. Russian hammer shit that we talk about.
0: You know it's what i It's like saying? me look, and you, like my mom was born in Syria, raised in Lebanon. My dad's American and yet somehow you think I'm Indian. <laughs> It all works out. It all works out the same. It ha-
1: 1979. It happened, Luke. You were you were in those city limits, all right. It happened. It, okay, it did
0: happen. It did happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got to tell you, like I rewatched Dos Anjos' two wins that he had since moving back to lightweight. One against Paul Felder, who should be noted, came in on five days' notice. Now he was training for an ultra marathon or a marathon, whatever he was doing, an Ironman triathlon, I believe. Um, and so he was in good physical condition, but who knows about his timing and his prep and everything else. And it still went to a split decision although it seemed to me that dos anjos was the one that was the clear winner there and then of course against hanato moikano who i believe also was coming in on short notice and was abused in that fight probably should oh, have yeah. been stopped a lot earlier but the thing that really stuck out to me and then the stats sort of show this is dos Andres striking is sort of i guess more of what he is known for these days but really what seals everything together is his wrestling um He uses it to break up rhythms. He uses it to slow down fights. He uses it to wear down opponents. It has a real utility. It doesn't mean he doesn't strike. He actually does a fair bit of it, a lot in the pocket. Sometimes, and I I would say in general, got the better of Moicano and got the better of Felder uh, through the course of those fights, but it's all aided and glued together by the wrestling breaks, whether they're successful or not, that he gets, and then the top control subsequently. This is, to me, the central tension in this fight. I probably believe that Fiziev, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, is an overall better more dynamic striker. He tends to get hit a little bit more, but lands a lot more than Dosanjos. Dosanjos is about 3.6 strikes landed per minute, 3.24 uh, absorbed, fairly equal but a slightly positive differential. 5.53 landed for Fiziev, which is high, but he absorbs 5.5. So he trades a lot more. He gets hit a lot more. The thing that hinges on me for on this fight to me is takedowns. Dos Anjos is about two takedowns per fifteen minutes, right? That's what's about what you're going to get with him. Not quite, but almost one around. The takedown defense for Fazeev is ninety-five percent. Damn, ninety-five percent. He has very good takedown defense, and not just good takedown defense. BC the ability to create separation. Yes. Now I'm not going to say here on this show to you that Dos Anjos can't win if he doesn't get the takedown. But what I am gonna say is, if he doesn't get the takedown, the path to victory becomes significantly harder to come by.
1: Yeah, it becomes violent as shit too, Luke, having to walk through those uh, standing elbows and those hard ass kicks. Luke, re-watching Fazeev, uh his destruction of Brad Riddell this morning, as I did third round finish. I thought I saw more poise out of him than before. You broke down the statistics. Maybe he was known for getting hit a lot, and he did get hit once they, they both really started to open up and trade 50-50. But for a lot of that fight, I do like the evolution that we're starting to see out of Fiziev, however I'm going with this. Um, there was more more poise and setup, but Luke, everything this this brick shithouse throws is heavy, and his kicks were, I mean, you could watch them. They were moving Riddell. And of course, you know, that fight changed significantly after he was able to cut Riddell with that lead elbow, but this guy is crazy dangerous, and your point about the takedown defense, anytime Riddell shot, Fazeev was was stu- standing him up and just stuffing the shit out of it. This is a young lion coming on. Can RDA use the experience at 37 to create the separation between them? I, I, I don't think you're wrong. It may come down to can he take this fight off the feet, because... You go 25 minutes with a hammer like this, even if you're getting off, you're going to have to uh, absorb a shit ton because inevitably Fazeev's going to stand in front of you and both of you are just going to trade on even terms. And I don't know if I like my chances if I'm RDA in that. You know what I'm saying? To go, to go a full-on war with him. He's going to have to be crafty. He's going to have to set traps. He's going to have to do a lot. Do you think there's any element, you mentioned it, with the situation in Felder. Mocano also took that fight last minute and was maybe too brave for his own good. Is there any kind of fool's gold right now for RDA at 37 where we are overly propping him up as a, you know, maybe possible title contender with a big win here? He does tend, I mean, look, historically, he tends to lose a couple, then maybe when your opinion starts to change, man, does he come back strong with a couple wins. Has this two-fight win streak it, it, does it live up to where he's actually at physically in your eyes? Uh,
0: again, because you had two short notice opponents, it's hard to really know. And, he, and again, they're not scrubs. I mean, Paul Felder was very good when he fought, and Moicano's very good. So there is still value to them. I kind of liken it, and when I first say it, it won't make sense. So let me explain. But I kind of liken it to Aldo's move to Bantamweight. Now, the reason why that wouldn't make sense is because, hello. RDA was champion at this weight class. This is not a weight class that is unfamiliar to him. It is perhaps his best and most familiar weight class. But what I mean is, when Aldo went from featherweight to bantamweight, forget about the weight cutting issues, he appears to have those all worked out, no problem. It did kind of rejuvenate his career a little bit, but if you notice who he's beating and who he's losing to, it didn't meaningfully change his fortunes from what he was experiencing at the end of his run at 145. (laughs) <laughs> he could still beat good guys, but he couldn't beat Fokinovsky and he couldn't beat Holloway, and so he decided to move. and And going to one thirty five has been like, wow, look how competitive Aldo still is. Late, but he he didn't beat a similar level of guys at bantamweight. It wasn't that he went down there, and it changed the kind of fighter he was able to beat in terms of their overall ranking or divisional significance. I wonder if this return to lightweight, while in the sense of like Aldo, it's not the same because he has been here before listen you go watch those fights he looked good in them he made good decisions his wrestling was on point his striking was for the most part on point these were very veteran clear performances in my mind but it's not like he went down there and beat someone he couldn't beat before uh, as far as quality as those guys are so in that sense I do think there's a little bit of a similarity to Aldo to Bantamweight however uh, meaningful the differences are in conjunction with it and so in that sense did he look poor did he get a gifted win Did he show you some kind of red flag? No, absolutely not. He looked, dialed in, he looked like his weight was on point, his training was on point. Remember, we're not talking about a BC. He moved back to Brazil recently. He's with Nova Uniao. He had been in the United States for a long time. And so, (coughs) pardon me, he believes he's refreshed and that this has contributed to a lot of what has happened. I take that seriously. But until he beats someone like this, right, who is young, who's got great takedown defense, who's not coming in on short notice. We can't really say a whole lot about this move back to lightweight for RDA. Yeah, I
1: mean, his his career has been a constant state of reinvention. I mean, that that's part of what makes him so dynamic historically, along with, of course, being an ex-champion. And having always fought the best. I mean, his resume, we've, we've, we've shouted it out before, both wins and losses are a freaking who's who. And look, maybe my favorite reinvention was, You know, he brought a five-fight win streak RDA into that 2014 bout with Habib, and look, he got absolutely dominated, and then he bounced directly out of that three months later, stops Jason High, stops Benson Henderson, takes decisions from Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis, and then stops Cowboy Cerrone for his second win over the fellow legend. I mean, you know, then has those two losses in which he loses the title, but comes right back, moves up to welterweight, and gets three straight big wins, Safadine, Magny, and Lawler. So it's it, it's it's what he does. I think I saw enough against Moicano to show you that, I mean, it, it's still in there, Luke. It, it might be a little bit of fool's gold for the circumstances of those two fights. But just, what, six years ago, he said, you know, trying to make weight for the title loss to, to, to uh, Eddie Alvarez and, of course, the dominant loss to Tony Ferguson, which followed, I mean, he almost died. So to see him you know, find the right science and and, and and safe way to cut that and be back in this spot. I mean, damn, is it a shout-out to who he is, what he's made of. But damn, watching the tape of this five-fight win streak for Fazeev, it's like there's nothing easy about this challenge at all. But, mm-hmm. Luke, Vegas certainly respects the the legend. Our, our friends at Caesar minus 220 for the younger Fazeev, but plus 180 for RDA. So... We know what this is about. All right. Five rounds, it's going to explain a lot, and it should explain a lot, because if this is Fazeev beating a legend here, a former champ, he's going to skyrocket into the top five. He's going to have a six-fight win streak. You should have to go through somebody this tough over five rounds. Um, Luke, if this is a, a stand-up fight, if RDA cannot secure the takedown, which you said was key to what he does, does it become a war of tradition Or do you still think RDA has a savvy in terms of how he sets up his strikes that there's a chance he can control this fight without it becoming a war against somebody this explosive?
0: Yeah, I don't think it'd be a war of tradition, although there might be some of that as well. But, um, did you say attrition or tradition, Luke? Yeah, probably both. But here's what I would say. Again, I, I just think the takedown is crucial here. It doesn't like he, it's not like he has to get it like Habib, where you know you can only fight in the feet for a minute. No, no, I don't mean that. But like, if he's struggling to get it, or I would say this too, BC, pay attention to not even necessarily getting the takedown, but <laughs> as we cough our way through the show, like two professionals. I mean, we are
1: just just decrepit right now. This is uh, not—it's it's pathetic.
0: Know, our yeah. health is pathetic. It really is. But uh, again, to answer the question, if he can also tangle up Fazeev, along the fence line and make him work for a minute or two that also could be impactful now that's not as valuable obviously as getting the takedown then holding it not even close but it does carry some utility i wonder the thing for me with Faziv, he has so many weapons rda is good on the feet as a southpaw he's got a rangy left hand obviously we know about his kicks on the left side they're brutal and he puts them all together but fazeev while he does accept a little bit more of a dangerous situation at times much more powerful and the, although RDA is powerful with his kicks but much more powerful I'd say with Feizev's boxing dude much more frankly in that space athletic much more explosive quick like he can just do a lot there i don't know how RDA is going to hold up to that but again it's to what extent can RDA mix in either takedowns and or other forms of wrestling entanglement that could give Fazeev problems, slow him down. I just think if you let Fazeev have a kickboxing match (laughs) with you in four-ounce gloves, it's going to be very hard to win. But if you can slow him down, make him work, press him up against the fence, just find a way to slow down the fight so that your offense can come much more naturally behind it, that is a very winnable path. I do believe that. It's just a really open question if he's going to be able to do that. So I guess we're going to have to see. This is a real test, as you put it. Real test of who RDA is at 37 back at 155 back at home in Brazil. I'm curious. Dude, they are going to leg strike the shit out of each other in the first two rounds here. Look, this is going to be brutal. Can we say something too about RDA? Like, I know he lost that Tony Ferguson fight, and, and you know, Tony's not, I think, in the same level of um, resiliency this late in his career, although uh, RDA is a little bit younger. But RDA lost to peak Tony Ferguson. In fact, if you look at Ferguson's resume, That might be Ferguson's best win. I take that one very seriously. If you don't remember it, and I'm not saying you, I mean the proverbial you out there, that was in Mexico City, and that was the main event. They fought five rounds at more than 7,000 feet elevation. That's crazy. And look at the pace they kept. It was bonkers. Like, Tony Ferguson was so hard to beat when they fought in that moment in time. And so RDA losing to him, I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything. Obviously, he wasn't the better guy that night. But that's somewhat forgivable given the circumstances. And what I will say is, dude, for all of the tough fights that RDA has been in, like just go back to his Kamaru Usman fight. Usman landed over 10 takedowns and over 100 significant strikes. Some absurd level of dominance. And his level, RDA's level, BC, would you agree? His level of durability is legendary. And I'd add one more note. Everyone pinpoints it, RDA is the guy who, oh, you know what? When USADA comes around, his physique is going to change, and he's going to pop. Bitches, not one thing changed about it. Nothing. Everyone who said that was wrong, and his durability is some of the best I've ever seen in MMA. Uh,
1: You know, the combination of durability, longevity, and just what I you know, key on earlier, always taking the biggest fights, even if it means spectacular losses and dude, he's got one sided losses to both Tony and Habib during that, you know, during that run and during that era and, you know, missed the Connor title fight with the foot injury. He has though, the combination of those intangibles that like, I haven't seen except for guys like big nog, you know what I mean? Like guys who are just these, you know what I mean? Like, like uh Shogun, like Dan Hendo, just all time. Great. Just gritty, stubborn, all of those things that when it goes, you think it's going to go spectacularly. But that Moicano fight showed you that it, it hasn't gone and it may not be close to going. I mean, you do never know here, but remarkable that he's back at this point. And Luke, I like that you brought up the elevation there of 7,300 feet in Mexico City because our hardcore fans of this show who like to recognize those those heroes that have come across the scene in MMA over the years, you know, in short seasons. Luke, you know what I'm talking about. TRT Vitor, C-Level Kane, <laughs> motivated BJ Penn. Our fans have put cannabis slash vaping luke thomas in that category because they think luke that you've never been this happy and lucid and relatable like i just want to give you the the, you know those flowers that you're on that level luke okay yeah
0: as you can see me and alcohol don't always pair so well (laughs) we're not exactly the best combo but i would say that there's a little something to uh but i mean yesterday dude on my couch watching the eraser i had all the gummies in dc it was unbelievable (laughs) i just want to point that out
1: you were sending me LBBs covered in tats I'm like, okay, he's into something right now you know he yeah. may not be he may not have clothes on at the moment there no. um, Luke, some people did say, hey, if you guys you know gonna keep you know Hawking AG1 out of shouldn't that have prevented you guys Luke I didn't I forgot my travel packs I'd given it away to my yes. parents and also and also
0: it. I had been slacking and I didn't take mine either. The proof is actually the other way around. That when yeah. we do take it, we seem to be just fine. And when we get off of it, all of a sudden all the problems start starting or yeah. kick off. So keep that in mind too.
1: You know, AG1 should consider an HGH form.
0: <laughs> you know, I would just, take that as well. I probably yes, would. Yes. Dude, I, I am so frail and pathetic. It's beyond belief at this point. Looks I had like, a nice long with run. With, yeah, I had a nice long run without COVID. It has finally come to a close. Yes. But I gotta say, like my overall health is just I, I mean, I'm one step away from being you know, living on the street in terms of my health profile. I mean, it really is just absolutely terrible. So I gotta get this shit under control. Yeah, it's time to make it. It's, it's up to us as a people to start making some changes. Uh, Luke, make
1: a make a pick here that could bring some change in the pockets of our of our viewers and listeners. We're going five rounds, which tell me if I'm wrong, this is new territory for Raphael Faziv. It is, Luke. Um, just this is twelve this is 13th pro fight. First scheduled five-rounder. Will that play a part at all in how you handicap this?
0: A little bit. A little bit. Here's what I think is very likely. Uh, I don't know if it's the likeliest possibility, but I would put there's like one or two, three, maybe most likeliest outcomes. One outcome is that RDA can't get the takedown, but is able to tie up uh, Fazeev long enough to not get finished in the first three rounds and then makes a late fight push. I think that's actually very possible. Dude, RDA's experience is some of the best in all of MMA. I mean, think about what he has seen, the kind of fighters he has faced, the adversity during camp, the adversity during fights, anything, you name it. Wait, short notice, all of it. Dude, this guy has seen it and then some. He is as grizzled a veteran, this fresh, uh, remarkable, that you will ever see. And so he knows when to press the gas and then the brakes more generally. I do think it is very possible that Faziv has an early and fairly consistent lead for long stretches of this fight that evaporates late. I am curious to see w- how much pressure RDA will be able to put on late. Because his two return opponents were short notice, however good they were, they were very short notice, and because he is 37 and Fazeev's takedown defense is so good, I'm going to lean towards Fiziev in this contest. But I do think very much... RDA is a live dog. I think a couple of things are going to have to go really right for him. His wrestling is going to have to be on point at some point in this fight, I think before the third round. And I also think he's going to have to be able to tire out Faziv a little bit, which is somewhat dicey too. But I think that he it's very winnable for him. I just feel like it's a few things that have to go his way that may not in order to get that W. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Down. I mean, look, look
1: RDA is going to have to
0: walk through some shit to win this fight.
1: The, the other yeah. guy, I mean, Faziv Luke, is... Is a is a knockout threat, but he's a physical force. And when we talk about Dos Anjos having success in the in the clinch and some of these exchanges where he can try to use his guile to offset the you know physical or youthful advantages, I mean he's got a he's got a silverback in front of him, and at least in terms of this division. I mean I couldn't believe the commentary team in the Riddell fight was trying to talk about oh Riddell just looks bigger, shit he looks bigger. Fazeev's jacked, man. I mean his frame, everything about him is just big, Luke. But can he go five hard rounds with give-and-take, ebb-and-flows? Look, this is is what we're asking of him. He's got some good wins. I mean, he stopped Moicano a couple fights earlier and did it violently, stopped Rodell, has some very good wins up to this point. But we're going to demand more of him. Can he meet that? Luke, I feel like maybe it's just the recent trend. I kind of feel like we're headed toward a five-round split decision. Well, we're going to say to ourselves, judging criteria-wise, did the takedowns (laughs) RDA did get? Was there enough? Here's the word, Luke. Impact to control that. I just feel like that's the season we're still in. It's mm. it could go either way, as the as the betting odds tell you. <clears throat> but I like a decision here. I like a disputed decision. But at the end of the day, I gotta go Fazeev. And you know I want to pull that trigger in RDA, because I just have so much love for that guy. In fact, if we don't get him on that RSD couch, Luke before the end of this calendar year, we will have failed. Okay, topic for another day. Um, I like Fazeev, but Luke, the point of me ranting here is it's going to be as close as you think it is. This may be RDA pouring out the jug one final time to have a stake, to have a say that he may have won that fight. But we are asking a lot of him at this point, even with Faziv having only shown us so much because... That was all that was available to him for opportunity. This is going to be both Fazev's breakthrough and maybe the last time we see RDA pour all that shit out to get to the finish, Luke. Uh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: And also, just one, one more note on RDA. He, is, he has the verve of someone like Jeremy Stevens, but he actually wore a belt. And I really hope folks, folks understand it. 37 years old, coming back down to lightweight. And by the way, you know it's not his fault that he had to accept two opponents on short notice, but he didn't pull out of those fights either. And here they are giving him fazeev which is you know an insanely difficult task. It's not like he's looking to fight other older bigger names. I'm sure eventually he will get to that point, but they're not giving him they're not rolling out the red carpet for him. They're making this fucking guy earn it at 37 years of age and he just says okay every time. I'm telling you folks, when he retires, there just won't be guys like him very very often. There's not very yeah. many guys like this often, but there were more of them during the day in which he had his heyday. When he goes, there's going to be fewer and fewer and fewer guys like this. Appreciate someone who doesn't ask for handouts, even at 37 years of age, doesn't complain about it, and oh, by the way, is still good enough to be a threat to win and might just actually pull it off. RDA is a special fighter in a time where these rules are changing, and I hope everyone takes a moment to appreciate just how unique he is. Both of us going
1: Fazeevs all by an edge there, but your point on RDA doesn't ask for handouts, doesn't ask for handos, as far as, I'm, as, far as I've heard, Luke, but, you know, I feel at this point he probably could and could get it. Oh, uh, Luke, you mentioned The Verve, better 90s one-hit wonder, Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve, or Freshman by The Verve Pipe.
0: So, I will tell you, I hated both of those songs.
1: Oh, get fuck you, fuck you, bro, fuck you! Hold on,
0: hold on, hold on, but I do have an answer, but I do have an answer. There was a girl I dated briefly in high school who loved that Verve Pipe song. Of course, and I might have had hope some. You, I I, hope and you I might have had down some. Down
1: the Verve Pipe, if you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean. I was just—you okay. stole
0: my joke. You stole my joke. I was <laughs> going to say I might have had some Verve Pipe when we hung out. So, so for that reason, I will lean towards the Verve Pipe. Yes. Uh, all right. Thank you very much. Uh, the acoustic
1: version of the Verve Pipe's "Freshman," which was a. Regular on the radio of 104.1 in Hartford great alternative station uh, for years Luke that that is the boss version I'm gonna go with the verb pipe not that you care. All right, Luke Let's keep it running on down this card. Uh, you told me not to sleep on this co-main event the middleweight bout So I did a little research Luke um, I'm not gonna tell you I know how to pronounce this Brazilian fella's name But he is that guy with the throat tat Luke mm. and he is undefeated Could you hit me with a real-time pronunciation
0: of this so I'm gonna do my best which is probably bad. My understanding is it's Kayo Bohalio. Bohalio. So two R's in the middle would be an H, Bohalio. I would go with Chow as the first name. That's incorrect, right? It's not Chow, Chow because there, there is a guy who I used to call him Kayo Terra, but then I found out it was two R's so that it's Kayo Teja. But uh, I knew him from Jiu-Jitsu. Kayo Teja is actually an unbelievable uh, competitor. So it is Kayo. And I'm sure I'm saying that like a gringo, but it is Kayo.
1: Uh, Luke, you'll be taking on 35-year-old Armin Petrosian, the Armenian-born kickboxer that I'm sure is on your radar for obvious reasons here, Luke. Um, let's talk about this fight. You seeing big-time action? You seeing an opportunity here for for one or both? But is this more about finding out if Borjo, 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 dude?
0: Damn. Dude, this guy and Andre Carico are going to beat your ass, and I'm going to film it yeah, and put yeah. it on TikTok. Dick what Rico already hates
1: the media enough. Um, Luke, Baralho, he's got an aggressive throat, Ted. Not Vanderford level, but it does say I've either done time or I'm you know, willing to scratch your skin off of your face with the right amount of drugs. Um, is this fight about finding out if he is for real? Or does he have a Eastern European hammer waiting for him, Luke?
0: This is an interesting one. Petrosian, as you mentioned, is a little bit older, but dude, he is such an aggressive striker. I mean, listen to these numbers. Strikes landed per minute, 7.5. That is extremely high. And then strikes absorbed, 3.39. Now, that's not low, but that's pretty average. And the differential there is extraordinary. And he can walk through damage as well. Kyle Bojalio is much more well-rounded, though. He can, he can throw down if he needs to. He also has a positive striking differential. By the way, he barely gets hit. 1.7 strikes per minute um, uh, absorbed. That's super low. Takedown defense is decently high. Takedown accuracy is pretty high. He actually goes for about two takedowns per 15 minutes as well. So this is, to me, a question of how much he can change that fight. On the feet, it's not like he's outgunned. That's not really true. But I don't think he can beat Petrosian at his game uh, doing that. I just feel like that guy is so rangy, so powerful. He's just got a real kickboxing sensibility about everything that he does. Um, I don't think Bojalio can stand with that. But if he can take him down and hold him down, or at least you know find the back or whatever, then that really is going to put a test about Petrosian's limits. Petrosian has showed in the stand-up department he's got a lot to offer. right? He can do a lot there. But it's also true that we haven't seen the full well-roundedness of his game really pushed. I yeah. think Bojalio is going to give us a little bit more of a sense about where each guy's strengths and weaknesses more fully lie.
1: Uh, Luke, Bar- Baraglio, uh
0: he does have one loss, so I did wrong myself
1: in real time. It came in a second pro bout. But uh, he, he won a first-round stoppage in his Dana White Contender Series debut, which was 2021, and then took a technical decision, Luke, in his full UFC debut against Godsey Omar Godziev. I think. Um Luke he kind of looks like a like a younger Paulo Costa besides the neck tat. Am I wrong on that?
0: The neck tat is intense, I have to say. That's an intense. I mean, I don't know if he tattoo. likes red
1: wine, but but he kind of has that look and maybe a little bit of that fighting spirit too, Luke, all right?
0: yeah i mean i also drink red wine the nights before fights but not the fights i'm getting in Uh, yes yes i would say that his he's also got the one on his arm here too that's like written english that's also like looks like looks like you know vote or die or something it's like some other intense phrase hey man listen if it helps him and he likes it, the, the the tattoo is... He didn't get the tattoo being like, I hope Luke and Brian love these tattoos. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he, he, he got Luke them for and himself Brian. and whoever else, but uh, Indeed. they are intense, bro. They well, are look, the,
1: his second UFC fight, he's potentially, if, if this holds up based on the pacing here, as the co-main event, which Wikipedia has it at the moment... That, that shows you there's a push here. That shows you we're going to find out who Baragio is. Luke, he enters as a minus 230 betting favorite, Petrosian plus 190. Looking forward to it, Luke. Hell yeah, okay? This should be this should be some good theater to find out what we have here. And moving on the card, Luke, I'll also dead wrong myself. I'm being told by our viewers that Saeed Nurmagomedov, although from Dagestan, is not a member of the Habib lineage here.
0: That's right. He is not. They have the same last name. But and they've been called brothers or cousins at times, but I believe they just share I listen, I'm I'm sure at some point their family lineage overlaps, but he's not like, you know, Abdul Manap uh, yeah. in the family type. Indeed. Uh this'll be a band and wipe out against the Shredded as shit, as you
1: mentioned, 37-year-old Douglas Silva de Andrade. Um, love that the styles is. clash here, Luke. Love the styles clash. And when you look at the odds at the moment, minus 350 for Madoff, plus 280 for the Brazilian. Who do you like in this one?
0: Probably Nurmagomedov. Um, I, I think that de Andrade, Silva de Andrade is certainly powerful. And certainly uh, resilient, which he showed in his most recent fight. But I just feel like, the, again, I always go back to it. This isn't always true, but in general, in general, skills win fights. And yeah. I just feel like Nurmagomedov has, has more ways to win this contest. But I recognize, dude, that guy Silva de Andrade is a goddamn powerhouse. Wait, wait till you see this dude if you guys haven't seen him before. He, again, pound for pound, maybe the most muscular guy, or at least the most shredded guy in all of UFC. He's won three of four since that loss to Peter Jan on, on
1: Jan's early UFC rise. One of those wins, Luke, against a former champion, uh, the Baron. But uh, really, you don't get a lot of credit these days for Hennan barral victory since he, what did he lose, like eight of his last ten to end his career, Luke? I mean, unbelievable. I, right? I have not paid attention,
0: but it was a precipitous drop-off.
1: It, uh, yeah, as precipitous drops goes, that one was wet as shit. Yes. Uh, Luke, you know I'm into, as I mentioned on Wednesday, look, it's, it could be winter go home for a few people. Maybe Antonina Shevchenko against Courtney Casey here. Maybe Cynthia Calvillo, Luke, who remember when Dana White said she's the next Rousey? She really needs a win here, riding a two-fight skid at flyweight against Nina Nunes who also, you could argue, really needs a win. So, Luke, maybe we'll see some desperation-fueled, you know, fun and games here this weekend.
0: Uh, big test for both. Nina Nunes, uh, you know, obviously I had shown flashes of uh, she had a great run right before having a kid. We'll see how she looks uh, more recently. Isn't giving
1: birth a much more polite way to say it? And you're like, you know, until that kid robbed her of her career. No, it's not, even, you know? it's not
0: even that. It just takes time to get back. It takes time. Like, you know, your wife's had kids. It takes time to get back, even for normal conditions. So, you know, to get back I have to a rule me. that
1: when you're talking about your own kid, it's your child, Luke, okay? It's your offspring. A kid is like that, that dirtbag kid from down the road. You know what I mean? Oh, like
0: Dennis the Menace? Yeah, I don't mean it that way, obviously. But, um, But big doings here either way for this division. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Uh, the you card is else? overall not that great, to be clear.
1: All right, but how about this? Uh, was he from the Dana White Contender Series? Ricky Tercios made a lot of noise last year, I think Luke.
0: he was from Ultimate Fighter, if memory serves. Yeah, One of the two. No, he's, no, no I'm wrong. I'm wrong. He's He fought on Dana White's Contender Series. I and apologize. he's
1: all action. He's fun as shit. He'll be taking on Faraz Zahabi's little brother here, Luke. Alamon. i Oh,
0: wait. Maybe he did both? Uh no, I'm uh, Zahavi. Yeah. I'm Enzahabi. Mm-hmm. Let me get that correct. Okay, thank you. They're saying
1: he was on both, Luke. Yeah, he was on both. All right. Uh you got anything else to say about this card, Luke? No, we should move on so I can keep my voice. Okay. All right. We'll we'll be very uh, judicious in that regard. Back to the rundown, topic number 2, Luke. How about this out of the UFC news cycle? Michael Chandler, who's Really fighting to stay in this title picture, fighting to get a fight with Dustin Poirier when we saw UFC 276 over the weekend. He went on Instagram, though, and pitched an interesting idea, a vacant title fight. Here's the quote. Hey, Charles Oliveira, do your thing, bro. Wait till Conor comes back. You deserve it. On a couple fight win streak, smashing through everybody, Why don't you sit out? Wait for Connor to come back. I'll keep the division warm. I'll keep the division going. I'll fight Islam Mahachev next. I'll fight Islam for the title. And then whenever you get your so-called super fight, do your thing, get it out of your system. And then you can come back to our division. See you at the top. Luke Mahachev would respond on Twitter with, easy money, title is the goal. No matter who, let's go. Um, Luke, we have been kind of complaining, bantering on about when the hell is Mahachev going to get this freaking title shot? What are we doing here, bro? Does this fix it? Is this a good workaround? If Oliveira, <coughs> the recognized champion without the belt, if he ends up getting Connor, which it seems like he really wants, is this the, 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 the right counter matchmaking after
0: that? Well, it's like when he says, why don't you sit out? And it's like, because he's the best guy in the division. Like, that's why you don't sit out. Uh, but I'll say this. If, if Oliveira is so committed to getting the Conor fight for the reasons that make sense for his life, and he actually won't fight Islam, if that's actually a thing, then yeah, I don't really mind. But I want to be very clear about this. If, if Oliveira is in any way consenting to a fight with Makachev, and Maybe he's playing hardball about fighting in Abu Dhabi or whatever, but he, you know, otherwise will fight him. That I don't have even the slightest degree of interest. My interest hinges 100% and strictly as a function of is Oliveira willing to fight Islam next and within this year? Yeah. If the answer to that is yes, I don't give a shit about anything else. Where are you?
1: Well, I, I got some problems with the scenario. Like, I like Michael Chandler always being opportunistic and he goes after it. The, the boss is like that too, rightfully so, but. You know, if Oliveira, who doesn't have the title, we have to remember that, whether you'd feel like that was deserving or not with the with the weight situation, given DC's, uh, uh, you know, uh coming clean. Wouldn't Oliveira versus McGregor have some form of the title at stake as well, Luke? You think Conor McGregor's going to take a non-title bout against Oliveira on his comeback fight? It doesn't seem like the they could do, the reward there.
0: So wait, so what they could do is, at least in theory, they could do... Uh interim title in one of the other two bouts they could do islam and versus chandler for the interim or the regular one and then do connor versus Oliveira for the interim or regular one
1: i hate that abuse of the system when dude why can't you just make the co-main event islam versus chandler then you know is it that hard doesn't have to be a title at stake you know
0: it's not that hard but that's listen This is what I'm saying. You can only get on board. And I'm not mad at Chandler for shooting a shot like that's You know, you got to see what you can do. And if it works out, why would you not advocate for something that's clearly in your favor? So that's fine. But that doesn't mean the rest of us have to go along with it. And so his his scenario doesn't make sense, except, as I've indicated, if Olivera is just like adamant, I'm not fighting Islam, in which case what I would say is if, dude, if Olivera, who kind of presumes that he is the champion, we all kind of view him sort of halfway or perhaps fully in that way, if you're straight up saying, I'm not going to fight Islam, then yeah, you shouldn't be fighting for the title, right? Yeah, like, if, yeah. you, if you're if you that guy, then Islam is next, and you just have to accept that. You're damn right on that,
1: first of all. I agree with you heavily. Uh, let's play a little, little game here. You know I love this game. We do a lot of matchmaking on the lightweight division in general anyway, because it's where the most stars, pay-per-view brands tend to congregate these days. It's almost like welterweight in boxing. So, Luke Thomas, what if I told you that Mick Maynard, Sean Shelby, Dana White, they they invited you into the war room there. You got all the rankings on the walls, all the cards coming up. You got all that info. I don't know if the Nelk boys are there doing Coke in the court. I don't know. I don't even know who does Coke anymore, Luke. Okay, not me, I'll tell you that much. Uh that's an eighties drug, Luke, okay? I'm a child of the eighties No, Quaaludes
0: are an eighties drug.
1: No, that's a seventies drug. Come on, bro. Come on. Um, so, I mean, you know, it'd be a lot cooler if you did. Uh, Luke, so here's the deal. What if Mick Maynard, when he sits you down, goes, here's the deal. We're going to force Oliveira to fight Islam Mahachev for the title next, the vacant title, because it's what's fair. It's, what, it's, it's the next fight. So that's in stone. How do you book the rest of the top ten can sit in and the bigger names around that, considering we got Poirier, Gaethje, Chandler, McGregor, Tony Ferguson. You know, you also have these rising names. Faziv if he wins. Gamrock coming on. Benio Darius still out there. Sarukian coming on. Dan Hooker not dead. Jalen Turner coming on. This division rules, Luke. How are you booking the next six months if I'm telling you Mahachev gets the next call?
0: So I would love to see Turner versus Ismagulov, number one. Would absolutely love to see it. Couldn't wait to see it. I would do Chandler versus Poirier. Hmm.
1: Now, let me interrupt would, you. Does that give the, pers- the winner a title shot in your eyes in terms of the progression?
0: It could. It could. I would do Gamrot versus Gaethje, and then I would do Darius oh versus... My. Oh, yeah, my God, I, that's I would a great do, fight. I know. There's a lot of good fights you can still do. I would do Darius versus the winner of this weekend's main event, so either Faziv or RDA. You could do... Um, you could do McGregor-Tony.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that kind of makes McGregor Tony the fight. And Luke, it is the fight. It is right now. It is the fight. And then you could dude. do,
0: and then you could do Saryukian versus RDA, or the loser of this weekend's main event. How about that? Okay, I'm
1: in. I'm in big time. Because look, there there are many scenarios in which RDA can lose Saturday night's main event uh, in a very respectable way and be the perfect test if he's still trying to, you know, linger in the in the top ten, which he's never stopped trying to get into title position up to this point. I like, really, exactly how you laid it out. Luke, the more I think about it, even though I've thrown out about 78 c- configurations involving McGregor's comeback uh, you know, in the past few months alone, dude, Tony, it, it, it's, kinda, it's just perfect. It's better than the cowboy comeback fight in so many ways. It's perfect,
0: Luke. There's so many good fights you can make. And I also, you know, I mean, I know he called for it, so this is hardly some, like, genius matchmaking. But, dude, Gamrot, you know, he beat Saryukian, who didn't have a big ranking, but given how fucking difficult that was and how impressive his late push was in that fight, he should get a big fight against a big name. I want to see this new generation of guys with names who are largely impossible to pronounce correctly beat all the guys whose names we can pronounce. They, like, it, there's, a, there's something to be said for this new generation who are coming through that, that, you know, let's match them up against not just each other, which we saw. Let's match up. we get some of these older bros. Let's see what happens yeah. there. Maybe these new guys are, you know, we, who everything we think they are. Maybe these old guys got a little something-something for them. But either way, we need to find out. I love matching those as much as we can, too. It's going to be high theater for sure. But let me
1: bring up the two quick wild
0: cards here. And it's
1: related to the news cycle. Not in a rundown, Luke, but the champion at Featherweight, Alexander Volkanovsky, revealing on social media. I think he put out some x-rays, too. He suffered a broken thumb yeah. in the second round of the trilogy bout against Max. Never showed it right? Put him away in in a dominant one-sided decision. Um, We know of his interest to fight for the lightweight title. We also know it it could be very likely that Max moves up. I mean, you know, we haven't heard any concrete news either way, but Max could very well crash the party of that matchmaking session you just had. Is the right move now to tell Volkanovski, we love you, bro, but it's too crowded on this end right now.
0: Uh, but s- I would say this, like I know he wants an immediate title shot, and I think that is too crowded. I would say unless he's willing to wait, we can give you a top contender, but not a title shot okay. and I- he probably says, well, I don't want that, but dude, they don't even ha there's there isn't even a crown champion right now, I mean, yeah, it would be cut, silly yeah. to have him move up- I- I- right, and I realize he has to heal from the injury and everything, but uh yeah, if it's if it's title shot or bust, then I would say he has to wait a little bit for sure.
1: What is he out? Is is it twelve weeks that Volkanovski At least, expects you yeah,
0: at least. So he's okay. out. You know, he's out for three months. So let's say all of July, August, September, back October, November ish. He could probably fight December or January, something like that.
1: Um, it, it's good, dude. I, I hate we always have to bring up Conor when we talk about this, but like. A lot of these decisions are going to be based on what they do with Connor. Do they give him a Tony or, or a Max or, you know, in a rematch? Or do they give him the freaking title shot? Also, it's, it's all in play, Luke. It's, it's all freaking in play. Everybody's waiting for Connor.
0: Also, what they could do is they could give him the Tony fight, but then do it at 170, right? Because Tony's fought as high as 170 before. Yeah. and yep. So they, there's a couple of ways they could make this work. I mean, Cerrone, obviously, fought at 170 for a long time, but he was really at 155, Well. You know, he was both, but, you know, he fought ably in both weight classes, and so they could make that little twist as well. Who's a 155er who'd be willing to fight at 170? Things like that could change the direction, too. Yeah, and and by the way, if Max does decide to go to lightweight, instantly
1: match him up with any of those action heroes that we just mentioned and you make a big pay-per-view main event. Can't wait to see. All right, interesting development here in Topic 3, Luke. I'm sure you don't care, but I tend to care about stuff involving... Joanna Young-Jacek, yes, the retired Joanna champion, former strawweight king, queen, excuse me, five title defenses, can't be wrong. Luke, she did an interview with one of uh, the Schmo, shout out to uh, our Las Vegas friend there, in which she was asked, JJ, you know, uh, who is your women's MMA Mount Rushmore? Who's on it? So here's the quote that Joanna that gave to the Schmo. Ronda Rousey, number one, me, meaning Young-Jacek, and Amanda Nunes, who became the first champion in two different weight classes. So definitely. And Valentina as well. So I put Rhonda, Amanda, Valentina, and then me. End quote. Luke, it's got to be a somewhat slow news day to get you to agree to do this shit, but I love the shit. So, Luke, when I look at the women's MMA, first of all, when I look at a potential Mount Rushmore, everything you want to say, I don't think you can disagree with, correct?
0: Uh, everything? I don't know about everything.
1: Okay, but she's got Ronda, Amanda, Valentina, and Joanna. You could sub one, maybe two out, but that's still a damn near perfect four. But when I try to make my own, this thing keeps getting in the way. Tell me if I'm crazy. Because everybody's got to be like, oh, it's got to be Ronda Rousey, number one, right? But Luke, I, I feel, it's not her fault, but I feel that everything that Ronda accomplished, pioneer-wise and star-wise, will never be touched. I mean, she's a phenomenon. But I think her resume and some of her in-cage accomplishments won't age the same way because it was set such an early point in the evolution of women's MMA and the, and the, you know, the experience level and, and, and lack of dynamic skills from a lot of the people she was defending her title against and fighting. You could tell me that's unfair, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity. But I almost think you have to look at it as, tell me your criteria. As a Mount Rushmore of women's MMA, a mixture of everything? whereas Ronda's got to be there. But if it's just who are the four greatest female fighters I've ever seen, Luke, I, I, this could be a Phil Friday hipster hot take shit, but it could be Amanda, Cyborg, Valentina, and Joanna just the same without Rousey on there. Am I being crazy, Luke? How do you I mean, look the at
0: problem it? The problem with these games is that they force you to tell a story in a way that you can't, right? In other words, imagine if you told the story of women's MMA more fully and completely yeah. You would you could you could include whoever was relevant. You wouldn't have to pare it down to four names. In fact, the story of women's MMA cannot be told in four names. One of the names you've left off, and I realize this is gonna sound like a hipster pick, but dude, it's not. It is important for the what? story Fug- of Women's MMA.
1: You're gonna say Fujumi.
0: I know you are. Yeah, Magumi Fuji E. Dude, well, it's not Fujumi, it's Magumi Fuji. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. But dude, like she if you look at her record, it doesn't stand the test of time given the era in which she competed in, but like her rise is super important to understand both w- women's MMA in Japan, women's MMA right, more but generally. but she
1: doesn't cut the top four under any of those scenarios I laid out. So this is a little hipster of you to bring her it's in. It's not, that's hi- cool. dude, like, but this is what I'm trying
0: to point out. It's like you're talking about like, who's on the Mount Rushmore now. Are those the four most important presidents we've ever had? That's certainly very debatable. It's very debatable. Yeah. So, so the point I'm trying to make is if you're trying to pick four to tell the most of the story, right? you got to put Cyborg on there. You got to put Amanda Nunes on there. I do think you have to put Rousey on there Um, just in terms of changing the game. But by the way, dude, like women's women's boxing is starting to heat up a little bit. And I wonder if Rousey doing what she did in MMA and how much it heated up. And by the way, she, of course, is not the only ingredient there, but a big one. If that woke up people to to women's MMA's potential and now that's waking up people to women's boxing's potential, there's some kind of argument to be made there potentially for sure. For sure, um, Luke. And so, like well, that that is that's what I'm g-
1: saying. Nobody will ever <laughs> dent her impact, and she had a Mike Tyson-like run where it was like, I don't even care who she's fighting, I have to see it. But you, even though wanna left out Cyborg, I think Cyborg should be in the top four. Isn't Valentina a better fighter all time? And you could argue as has accomplished in terms of in cage just as much, if not more, than Ronda. Not impact in cage, Luke.
0: Yes, in cage she's done more, but in impact she is infinitesimally much smaller. So, so what's again, your
1: criteria? Answer the question. Then at the end of the day, what is your my, criteria? But, but, okay,
0: but like the criteria is like who would I put on Mount Rushmore? I just put on motherfuckers I like. Like you can't tell the story of women's MMA with just four names. It's not possible. You cannot do it. So the exercise is, I get we do it for shows like this, and it's kind of fun. What I would say is somebody who changed the game the most, either through what they did inside or outside, but you have to have a little bit of both. I think that's what I would say. So I might put the last name as Joanna to be honest with you, uh, over Valentina, and I realize Valentina has done more in cage, but I don't know if she's as important to the overall story. of the, Now, she might end up surpassing that, in which case I'd have to switch it out. But as of today, July 8th, 2022, I'd argue that Joanna was a little bit more significant, um, both in terms of, well, not more as a champion. She has done, her role was spectacular. But uh, in in strawweight, you know, she obviously has an incredible run. And outside of the game, it wasn't like she was a huge star in the ways that Rousey was, although I would say more than Valentina. But again, I made this point when she retired, she was something of a torchbearer in that post-Rousey absence for fans, for someone to carry the game. I do think that should be noted um, personally.
1: Everyone's list is going to be different. The criteria is going to be different. I've got Cheyenne Valismas as the fifth head in this conversation. Look, I don't have to explain myself to you. But I do think you are looking at it more of probably how most people do, the story of MMA or the you know the accomplishments mixed with the fame, pioneership. So obviously nobody's touching Rousey in that. If that criteria was had over the entire history of the UFC not MMA, but the UFC, would you also agree that Ronda's face should be on there, maybe along with Dana, Brock, Anderson Silva? I mean, you, you could play with those four, but it, under that way of looking at it, you could make a firm argument that Rousey needs to be on the Mount Rushmore of the entire
0: UFC's history, loop. Yeah. You probably could. You could. Again, you can't tell the story with just four names. And it's hard to know who the four most important are, um, but you can absolutely cobble together a case where she is included and not sound crazy. Yes, I think you could do that. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, all right. Do you, does uh, Travis Hoppe Brown-Rousey ever fight again?
0: I doubt it. I doubt it. Got couldn't you
1: see him going to BKFC and like, fighting Hector Lombard or something, Luke? I, mean, I don't I know, see dude. Something. He took a lot
0: of damage, too. You know, he took a lot of damage too. And if you don't need to take that damage, why the hell would you? You know? They seem to be making enough money to not need to, Luke.
1: So shout out to them. They did beat the game. Let's give Rousey her credit. She didn't handle the media well. She did beat the game, walked away, doubled or tripled her stardom. Like she seems to be doing well, Luke.
0: She seems to be kicking out. Isn't she back in WWE again? Did I didn't I see that on yes. my timeline?
1: Yes, that is true. She came back at WrestleMania. But uh thank you. Thank you. All right, let's go to topic four, Luke. Uh news update. On the UFC sphere, the UFC London bout that had us pretty damn interested—Darren Till taking on fellow middleweight, middleweight, excuse me, Jack Hermanson—is now off. Till pulling out with an undisclosed in, uh, injury. Chris Curtis sliding in, looking to Mister All Action. They're looking to make some noise against Hermanson. But Luke, given Till's incredible ups and downs, up against he still seems to be a, a, a huge star. I mean, he still seems to get preferential treatment. But his career hasn't been going in the right direction for a while, even with the new bromance-ship with uh, one Hamzat Chemayev. Is this a big deal, or is it just wait another three months and then we'll finally see him back? What do you mean? Meaning there hasn't been a lot of great Dare Till headlines. You know what I'm saying, Luke? Oh, I see. These, these I, themes, it seems to be falling apart is what I'm saying, Luke.
0: I don't know what to make of Till's situation without getting more information. I do think that partnering with MMA All-Stars in the way that he did and training with Hamzat and a lot of those other guys up there is nothing but a good thing for him. Um, you know, and obviously he had to get right with the weight class going from 170 to 185. but listen, he was heavily hyped, probably overhyped in terms of what the promotional machine was doing for him in tr- relative to his uh, elite level readiness. Obviously he does have some elite skills, but the overall game itself is still in development. He's still very young. How old is Darren TllbyBC? So 29. May have 29 you know he's getting there but he's still in his 20s there's still some time to see how far he can go to me the bigger story here is well is Darren Till where is he in his career he's coming where he's going to me the story is Chris Curtis dude because when he lost on the contender series correct me if I'm wrong he not only won that fight on the contender series he won via stoppage if I'm not mistaken yes he did he stopped Sean Lally in the third round with a KO. Now the rest of that fight wasn't necessarily all that great, but he won, and then he won via stoppage, and then didn't get uh, a callback to for the UFC. And I had him on my radio show like the next day, or you know, a couple days following. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm done, dude. I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of not finding a way to advance. Like all of this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore." And then you know, eventually came back and uh, had some ups and downs. But since going to the UFC, he's done nothing but win. And against Vieira, he couldn't get the stoppage. But against Brendan Allen, against Phil Hawes, yeah, we punched their lights out. The story of this, to me, is that Chris Curtis didn't have any of the promotional benefits that, you know, that obviously Darren Till got. I'm not mad at Till for getting it, but he hasn't been able to actualize on it. Curtis got zip of those. And yeah. yes, this is fortuitous that he was able to fill in for an opponent who had fallen out. But he took this fight. It's entirely winnable against Jack Hermanson. And it's just really nice to see the business reorient itself however slowly you know they always say the wheels of justice grind slowly but they fucking grind man and they finally have oriented themselves around a Chris Curtis who fans seem to like who is talented who has a lot of ability and was never never the favored son of the promotion good for Chris Curtis man I really hope he goes out there and does his thing Indeed, big opportunity. Let's see if he
1: could break through with that. But, you know, you can't overlook it, though, with Till. F- lost four or five. Yes, all two elites, you know, one of them a title fight, which he got stopped by Woodley, but lost four or five. And, Luke, the fight before that, the Stephen Thompson, you know, d- unanimous decision, dude, that was very contested in hind- in my mind, in hindsight. I don't know. I'm not a Till hater, dude. I think he's a great – he's a troll. He's hilarious. I want Till to be a big thing. But I got questions, especially at middleweight, Luke. If he can do this against the elite competition, maybe the Chumayev camp, you know, new teammate, new style, new whatever, will help him in the cage. We, we still haven't seen that yet. He's only fought once in each of the last two years. But um, I hope he comes back, Luke, and I hope he can put it back together because there's a lot there. You know there's a lot there, but it's been it's been underachievement. It's pretty, pretty much across the board.
0: He's got a lot of work to do. And obviously, you know, he's had chronic injuries as well. It's not just underperformance in the cage, although obviously the injuries can be related to that. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a lot that has to happen. Um, there's still plenty of time. Let's be very clear about that. But, you know, the Darren Till Express has come to a halt. And while it'd be very premature to say it can't get going again, there are some questions at this point about a ultimate upside and b where if it's going to get going again, shouldn't that process already be in motion? I, again, I do think the change to all stars is key, but that's the, the, we need. We need to start seeing some progress uh, soon-ish. If he doesn't really begin to like make some progress in 2023, I think then there are some problems for yeah, sure. Yeah, be good. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's see what happens. All right, our
1: fifth topic, Luke. Looking at the weekend hits the squared circle. No, not pro wrestling here. Uh, boxing, the the sweet science, Luke. And how about this Showtime triple header? It goes down this Saturday night only on Showtime. San Antonio, the Alamo Dome, a header, headlined 9 p.m. Eastern by the WBC Featherweight Championship. Luke, Mark Magsayo really, really is making some moves here. Upset Gary Russell Jr. to end his long reign here. Has the WBC strap, 27 years old, 24-0, from the Philippines. Rightfully so because of his connections and image here. He is being looked at as not the next Manny Pacquiao, but maybe the next young, vibrant Filipino fighter to get that hungry fan base to give him that push. He's got Freddie Roach as his trainer, and he's going in there against unbeaten Ray Vargas, who is much taller and longer than him, is moving up from 122, where Ray Vargas, by the way, 33-0, I think, held the title down there, beat big names. He's coming up. This fight has a lot to be desired for in terms of potential action and contrast and all that. But, Luke... Maxayo definitely got our attention at the level where it's like, let's not try to do the next Pacquiao thing, but maybe the next big Filipino thing. Dude, he's hungry. He's got pop. It is front row seating. I got to see what happens next on his rise.
0: It, this is a tough fight, though. Like, from what I've seen on tape, man, Vargas is a handful. Uh, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong. This is also a mandatory, right? I believe um, so. So if this is a mandatory, boy, sometimes these mandatories, they're not all that impressive. This one is, it, I favor Vargas to win. I think most of the odds makers do as well. He's super, super, super talented. Um, I think that McSayo is going to be very opponent dependent, which is, which is what I mean is obviously he's got skills and, you know, he's not in this place by accident, but he's got a lot of aggression and against Vargas, I don't know if that aggression is going to do him a lot of favors. I think agra- that Vargas's reach as you mentioned, certainly's got a lot of experience. His ability to work behind the jab is going to be pretty critical. I think Maxayo is going to have a hard time really cornering and drilling Vargas in the way that he can against some other opponents who oblige that style. To me, I th- I think Vargas might be getting some belts on Saturday, but I guess we'll have to see. Wow.
1: Well, look, I, you know, the thing about Maxayo is he's probably at this point more exciting than he is fully certified, and I, and I say that with respect. I mean, he just went out there and beat Gary Russell Jr. I mean, in a big upset, but if there's a lot of flash, good looking, you know, has the, the full package in that regard, good pop, goes after it, but can he win a fight like this against somebody so skilled, and by the way, Vargas, who's 31 years old from Mexico, is 35-0 and with 22 KOs. He'll have a four-inch height advantage, a two-and-a-half-inch reach advantage, but Luke, I do love the synergy here. Maxayo was born in the Philippines. The first fight he saw of any prominence that got him hooked on boxing was the first fight that Manny Pacquiao kicked through our TV screens. I mean, look, he had already, Manny Pacquiao had already made his debut on HBO last minute, upset Leo Ledwaba, won a world title. We were like, who the hell is this guy? But when he fought Marco Antonio Barrera in 2003 in the Alamo Dome, by the way, how about that for Synergy? That's the fight where Mark Maxell was like, holy crap, I love this guy, this Pacquiao guy, I want to do that for a living. Now he gets, you know, a huge opportunity coming off the biggest fight of his uh, career, upsetting Gary Russell Jr. to headline in the same venue. So, you know, we'll see what happens here. But to your points, Vargas can fight. Uh, This is a tough, tough matchup on paper. But these are the type of fights Maxile is going to have to win to keep pushing that fan base and and, and us taking him seriously. At 27 years old, there's been no reason really not to yet, Luke. Let's see if he can go out there. I mean, he's already saying he thinks Vargas is going to run and, and really try to make this a slow, boring fight. Um, there's a point, yes, where Mexia can be over aggressive and, and and have that fall against him. But I like the attitude he has of I'm just going to go out there, chase this guy down, knock him out, and continue my my, my walk. It's going to be fun to see.
0: We shall see. It's a, it's, it's going to be. It, I don't think it's going to be boring. It, it is true that Vargas might play a smarter game plan, but either way, Mexia is going to go go forward, and so we yeah. shall see what happens.
1: Uh, the co-main event, you really need to pay attention for for a couple of different reasons. First of all, it's a number 1 contender bout for the title being defended in the main event with Magsayo against Ray Vargas. And Luke, how much do we love Brandon Figueroa? Figueroa, Brandon Figueroa excuse yeah. me. All uh, action
0: affair against Stephen Fulton Jr.
1: Delivered the fight of the year last year. Really, it was a flip the coin on the cards. He's decided after some tough weight cuts to move up to 126 pounds So he's going in there against Carlos Castro, who is as experienced as they come. Uh, This should be not only a really fun fight, but if Figueroa wins this, he could be getting lined up to fight Magsayo or Vargas, whoever comes out of that main event. So we're talking about big stakes. Luke Figueroa almost already saying, the lack of the hard weight cut, I feel stronger. I feel more vibrant, quicker. Some guys do kind of come out of the shell even more when that's not a debilitating part of their game, having to cut down. Are you expecting big things out of the featherweight version of this kid?
0: Yeah. I, dude, he gave Stephen <clears throat> Fulton Jr. a tough, tough fight. He has high output. He's got crazy durability. I think moving up, honestly, and it's not a huge jump either, but moving up is only going to aid that. You know, he doesn't have the body type, or he, I should say he doesn't have the style for the body type that he has. You would think he would fight a very different way, but he doesn't. Doesn't matter. He is very, very good with that style. I guess we'll see how he deals with an opponent who's got a little bit more umph on their power, a little bit more durability themselves. But BC, what I think is going to save him is the volume. The volume for him is a, a, a critical oh, the body. component, Dude, and the body work up yep.
1: people to the body. Yeah, absolutely. So between
0: those two factors, I'm expecting good things for him.
1: I believe Castro is fresh off his only loss of his career, Luke, when he went to a split decision with Luis Neri, who we know is a big player in and around these weight classes. Castro moving up from 122, just like uh, Figueroa. But that was a very close fight. Neri needed it to bounce back after being stopped by Figueroa. So we'll see how that plays out. But, Luke, in the opener of this triple header, 9 p.m. Eastern, don't sleep on Frank Martin. Unbeaten lightweight. We know how busy that division is with, with up-and-comers who are trying to make that leap. Frank Martin, trained by Derek James, Luke, who we know as only really having super elite clients in, in Errol Spence Jr. and Jermell Charlo. He has a last-minute opponent change, but it's a guy we like a lot. Jackson Mourinhoz, the pure boxer who yep. you and I both thought got the best of Roly Romero in their title fight but didn't get the nod on the scorecards. This is an interesting bit of last-minute theater here. I like the matchmaking.
0: I, I like it, too. Marinez, again, I thought he got robbed. I mean, robbed is a strong word, but I did not think there was a strong scorecard for Rolly Romero. He got it. Mourinho took it to him for the most part. Uh, Good boxer, clever. For all the reasons that BC stated, this will be a fun, action-oriented opener between two good guys. I love it. Just a reminder, Showtime, 9 p.m. Eastern for the triple header. The two-fight
1: preliminary card is going to be live on Showtime Sports social media channels on YouTube. Luke and I, I think that's 5.45 p.m. Eastern start time, maybe 6. I'll have to double-check. Apologies on that. But Luke and I, watch party, live, play-by-play, a little fun and games. We'll we'll take you with that. A couple good fights worth tuning in for. Uh, Luke, also Saturday in the boxing realm from London on DAZN. Are you pumped at all for Derek Chisora versus Kubrat Pulev part two? No, no. Given the the trash talk and pushing and head-to-head between them?
0: Dude, they've had the worst stare-downs imaginable. Like, one time, Pulev takes off the hat. The other time, they're, like, doing a head, like, wrestling contest. And they just stop and then awkwardly smile at each other. And then today, Chisora came out with, like, a Boris Johnson mask. And Pulev and him were like five feet apart. I'm like, you guys have the, wor- the the strangest face-offs at all times. I mean, I guess it's a fun fight because... By the way, Pulev's been collecting... Well, did he get paid by Triller? I don't know if he got paid, but... Um in general, has been kind of you know fishing around the combat sports market, let's say, for some interesting opportunities. And I think he didn't he beat Frank Mir or some shit. He beat the fuck out of someone. Yeah, he
1: beat this sh- Dan marigliata Almost got Frank Mir killed in that fight. Yeah, that late so you know he can obviously year.
0: punch his lights out, and uh, you know he's a good fighter and all that. It's a it's not like the end of the world in terms of being a fight, but like, am I super thrilled for it? No, I'm not thrilled. For it, it could be
1: fun and sloppy. They fought in 2016. Uh, Pulev won by split decision, but, you know, Del Boy, Derek Chasore, is not a three-fight losing skid. You know, the, lost both fights to Joseph Parker in a row. Needs a big one here, uh, after getting sunned by Dillian White, so... We'll see what happens. Uh, Also, don't miss uh, Israel Madrimov on that co-main event. Uh, I think it's a rematch with Michelle Sora at 154. That's worth watching. And uh, Felix Cash, the British prospect, also in a featured fight on the way up there. Uh, Luke, real quick on these quick hitters here. Um, Tony Kelly getting let go by the UFC after the TKO loss to Adrian Yanez, but also the very uh, well-criticized comments he made about Brazilians in the corner of Angela Lee before that. Uh, Do you have a reaction to this news?
0: I mean, that's hardly the only thing he said that was insanely racist. Uh, He, if you look on some of his Instagram stuff, he had a lot of crazy things to say there as well. It's amazing that our UFC is only getting rid of him by virtue of the fact that he lost. Like, if he had won, if he was actually really good, we just have to tolerate this from now on. I I don't know. He won wonders, but uh, Adrian Yanez, or Yanez, excuse me, had the the funniest take on it. He was like, "Well, there goes my rematch." So (laughs) I guess that's true. I mean, you know. Yeah, I don't have much more to say about it than that.
1: By the way, your interview with Adrian Yanez, which you can catch right now at YouTube.com slash Morning Combat, I finally got around to it, Luke. Love his boxing IQ and, and not only hair, you know, respect he has for the past, but how he's able to really work that into his game. I, I, love, the, I love what he's doing right now at this, at this level. Yeah,
0: he's so smart. If you guys haven't seen it, I know it's long, but uh, it's really worth your time to see a young fighter this understanding of the fight game and then clearly thinking through all of these problems, he's he's got a bright future.
1: Yeah, also check out our room service diary sit-down with uh, Josh Emmett, which really is worth your time. I know he's... He's been on a lot of shows lately, but I feel like we got the deepest and best out of him, Luke. It's fun. It's also real. So check that out. Uh, indeed. Quickly, Luke, I know you don't care about Adesanya versus Chris Pratt in terms of this social media war. Pratt was on the ESPN post show, was a little critical of this topic that's still being thrown around. People upset with us even that Izzy is boring as shit and not a pound for pound best. Um, Pratt was a little negative in, the, in that regard. Audisanya sunned him on Twitter, but now Pratt kind of bent the knee and apologized and was like, I shouldn't have said that. Is that going too far, Luke? Because you also made an apology this week that some people said, what the hell are we doing in this PC environment?
0: Let the yeah, guy I be mean, drunk. Yeah, I mean, didn't, I didn't apologize because I made, you know, racist comments or something. And then I was like, oh, I'm my bad. Uh, you know, I was trying to—and we also acknowledged we had some wins on Friday. We had some wins yes. from the people in attendance and, of course, MGM, but— uh, you know, listen. I, I if he feels that way genuinely, then I wouldn't want to disrespect his um, sincerity and empathy for someone's situation. If it's insincere and he's just bowing to what he feels like is pressure, then of course that's ridiculous. Uh, I did not feel I didn't agree with his comments. I thought it was they were a little silly after the fight, but I didn't think they were worthy of, like lashing out. But you know, yeah. dude, it is pretty clear. I would say two things. One, Izzy appears to be taking this win almost. Not the fight itself, but the reaction to it, almost like a loss. Like he appears like this time to be fed up with the media, fed up with some of the fans, fed up with you know celebrities like this weighing in on it in ways where I've not quite seen the same level of pushback that he had previously. You know, demeaning the 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 media, being like I could do your job, and then even to Chris Pratt, like I'm the man, you're just some fan. You know, this is indicating a level of sensitivity to this performance that I've not seen from him previously in the same way that's the first thing i'd say and for the folks who pushed and for the folks who pushed back on us that's fine if you don't agree with our takes you don't have to we're just giving them you can do what you want with them i will meet them a little bit halfway and it goes back to something i'd said previously bc and i wonder how you feel about this when you're when you're as good as izzy is in that one dimension of the game it's not one dimension but the totality of striking let's say and you can lord that over your opponents and when you're so good at it that you can do it with a winning and then B not really taking hardly any damage. It's hard to get them out of that mind frame. It's like, dude, if I don't have to take damage doing this, why the fuck would I, it doesn't make, once you reach a level of the game where you have command of it where damage is an option, that's a hard thing to talk somebody out of what I oh, would for say sure, though, yeah. what I would say though, is in meeting these folks halfway, it does speak to again his defensive wrestling and his urgency in those positions is incredible his takedown defense is criminally underrated all those things are true but there's not much of an offensive b game there's not much of an ability to take the fight like if RDA can't win on the feet he can just go right to the ground like it's not the b game is very strong relative to the a game and i want to be clear izzy's a game is extremely strong but while he does, while he doesn't necessarily need to take damage, I do think it underscores the lack of uh, the B game being as fully developed as you might see in other cases that would allow him to exert other forms of dominance. I think that yeah. might be true.
1: Right, and this argument's also not just black and white, and I don't mean skin color. I mean like it's not just right or wrong. There's gray areas. Like th- I get. Look. I don't think it's boring what he's doing. I think he's still pressing forward. I think he's still, like, again, I think he's putting all the pressure on the opponent. Will that affect a, a level of pay-per-view buys in, in global stardom? Yes. But I don't think it's boring to watch, especially when he's in there with guys like Cannonier, who I thought could have won that fight, but ultimately made the decision not to take the big chances. That's like a, you know, that's like a uh, the way he's taming the snake there out of Sonny. It's incredible. To me, like a lot of those Mayweather fights, was some, did it get too boring? Sometimes, yes. But I also love the craft and the technical side and the sport and just enjoyed watching people trying to do something against Floyd. Um, that's really what I was saying. Is it the most exciting way to fight? No. Is a lot of the people's anger more on the idea that because he's coming out with The Undertaker urn and predicting that he's gonna kill a guy and then he does that, should, should we hold him accountable for that? I mean, you can, but it's also about selling the fight. And I think he's doing a very good job selling the fights. The fact that he's not fighting, the fact that he's not going after people like some of the heroes before, again, you could say that it's not your cup of tea, but I don't think what he's doing out there is boring. I think yeah, you're I agree missing with that, that I, if that's
0: what you're saying. You know, I think there's listen. I think there's a lot of people who show up expecting big action, and of course, yeah, he talks a big game too. You know, there is that, and I understand that that complaint. And again, if people paid for something that they didn't feel like they got, then that's 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 just on that's just reality. But I think you know, going back and being like, oh, this is so terrible to watch. It's not terrible to watch. And I think if you feel that way, you might want to question a little bit about, like, what is it that actually makes you feel so strongly? The fight was not, it was not scintillating, far from it, but it was like, oh, it was painful to watch. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. And I think people are exaggerating a little bit.
1: Like, Luke, remember the narrative after, rightfully so, by the way, the narrative after Pacquiao Mayweather was like, Ah oh, shit, that sucked. And because it sucked in comparison to the expectations, it sucked having to wait so long. It sucked in some ways that Pacquiao didn't go for broke when he was actually pretty damn close on the sc- on the scorecards. All things considered, at at one point in the second half of that fight. Um, but I still really enjoyed that fight from a technical standpoint. I- I've rewatched it a few times, Luke. It's amazing to see those two, although late in their age, still at a very high level and just playing chess with one another. So sometimes it does come down to what you what you really enjoy. And people are always
0: like, oh, you know, the fan base feels differently than you and me. Yeah, they might, they might. And listen, sometimes they're going to be right and sometimes they're going to be wrong. But like when people were complaining about Mayweather Pacquiao, it's like, dude, that was the ultimate event for yes, hardcore fans. It was the ultimate event for casuals too. You got to forgive me. When hardcore fans disagree with me, I will absolutely listen to them. I got to tell you, when casual fans disagree, I don't give a fuck. I don't care what their opinion is and there's a lot of casuals out there being like oh Izzy's boring it's hardcore ones too to be clear yeah but like the casuals yeah, like right. Get the fuck I don't their, their their assessment of the fight game is irrelevant to me
1: uh quickly Luke again Felice Herrig telling MMA fighting that she's making quote ridiculous money from OnlyFans and thanks the platform for not having to make desperate decisions to come back and accept fights she did just accept a fight with BKFC, which which could look desperate, but she claims, look, that she is using that to try to use their connection with uh, the fight app and try to get legitimate boxing matches, maybe through like uh, uh, Triller or whatever. So uh, I don't know. There's a little bit of a mixed. Message Here's a there, question. Right?
0: Here's a question for you. Serious question. I know we joke about this, but it's actually worth thinking about for just a second. If pay in MMA was better. Like, to the point where, you know, whatever it ends up being, but it would be like, that's about, that's about as much as favorable regulation in a competitive market's going to get you. Like, you've maxed out whatever it is for the various levels. Would female fighters, and I, I get some men do it too, but like, we largely know about it through female fighters. Would they still use OnlyFans to make money? Because your argument can be like, oh, well, if they made more from fighting, they wouldn't need OnlyFans. But I actually wonder that if they made a lot from fighting and whatnot, would they just still use OnlyFans to make even more money than they ordinarily do? Like, w- what role would OnlyFans play in a marketplace where pay was fair? I guess is what this I'm asking. This is
1: a very fair question. So I want to ask you, because people assume I'm the hair club president, but I'm I'm not an OnlyFans client, despite what you may be thinking, Luke. Um, is it only a platform for nude semi-nude sexual you know uh, or you know it's picks that you know what i'm talking about is it only for that even if it's not fully nude there's there's a way you can probably still market that or is it also like here's my lifestyle oh i'm going to give you a couple minute rant on this or is it literally only nude and semi-nude pics
0: i think they used to be able to do banging on there and i think only fans oh cut down on that, but
1: <laughs> okay. At least they have standards, Luke. All right, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say uh, if it's I a think way you to control lot your there. own narrative, in a way, then I get it. Like to have control, like you know. But if it's not, some would probably still do it. But should they, Luke? I mean, should they?
0: Should they yeah. is a different word. The question is, will they? Because if the if the economic incentives are that high, like, why wouldn't you, honestly? Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be able to make that money when you're 50. I can tell you that. You know, might as well get it now.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, what if you got an offer to, sh- to show yourself on only pipes and they said, they said they would never have to reveal your face? So, you know, if people could guess your navel tattoo and they see it there, they, could, they might think it's
0: you. Like, would you take that chance? How much money a month are we talking?
1: Uh, double
0: what you pay for childcare. Oh, that's a lot of money yeah um no no but like i could be bought
1: (laughs) i could be bought i would never show on only pipes luke okay never and don't don't show me anything in my dms either all right also luke uh eddie hearn saying he wants to make jesse bam rodriguez versus chocolatito you in
0: oh shit balls yeah who isn't into that bc who who is the dumbass who is not into that I like the sex.
1: Uh, Luke, also, Vasily Lomachenko has, uh, through Todd DeBuff of Top Rank, has told ESPN that Lomachenko is seeking an October return and that he's going to exit the Ukraine conflict with Russia and get back into his career. No talk of a date, opponent, or venue, but Shakur Stevenson, my guy, was on the Brian Custer Last Stand podcast, and he said, quote, me versus Lomachenko is the fight that needs to happen And he says, I feel like we are the two best technical fighters in the sport, technique and skills. I feel like him and me are on that kind of level, so I feel like that's a fight that needs to happen someday. Luke, that shit would get uh, me—you talk about a phoner. I would need an OnlyPipes account to show you how excited I would be at that fight.
0: (laughs) I love that. BC's got breaking news. To read more, go to onlypipes.com, and then you could actually like write it on your dong, and everyone would have to read your dong to, in order to get the news. That would be a hilarious way of owning your critics.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 it would Luke? Okay, I mean, it's wow, like take a picture
0: right. of your take a picture of your stretched out Bozak, and then you actually like superimpose text on top of it. That'd be that'd be hilarious. That'd I be mean, hilarious. it'd
1: be uh, it'd be. Uh, Wow, it'd be uh, it'd be on brand, that's for sure. On the uh,
0: three-year but- anniversary of the show, we are still talking about each other's satchel. I just want to point that yeah, out. We really yeah. are awful.
1: Um, did, would that give you the movement, though, Luke? Please, don't, be, don't yes, let me be course, alone. Yes, of course,
0: of course. Dude. dude, there's a lot of great fights. I know Lopez, Te- Teofilo Lopez, has a fight coming up in, what, Florida, I think, coming up? Um, but we'll see what happens with him. But yes, of course, dude, Stevenson is, you know... Of, of, there's been a few guys that you told me were, like, the guys to pay attention to. One was Devin Haney, and one was Shakur Stevenson. And of those two... Shakur Stevenson looks to me like he might be kicking people's asses for a long time. I mean, I mean dude, would he beat him.
1: would he beat Loma at 135? I don't know. that would be know. so Oh god, that'd be great.
0: Right? Damn. Exactly. Give me that. L- at a bare all minimum, right. you know this, Loma would test it. At a bare minimum, Loma would test it. Oh yeah. It, you know?
1: That guy, oh yeah, he would. All right, Luca, uh, we get tested each week when we do this live show and a lot of the shit we say ends up being in fact not yeah, right at all. Flatly untrue. So we have a segment each week where morningcombat at gmail.com is the in-hole of one producer, Mikey Morms, who's ready to take your receipts, your slander, your accusations that possibly BT or LC or the other, in, re, 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 stop that, reverse it, uh, was dead wrong. uh, uh. All right, Luke, this has become a let's roast BC portion of the show. Let's see if that continues. Uh, this one is here from uh, Edgar, Michael, and also Vance. Wow, I don't know who wrote this email, though. We got to do a better job identifying who's writing it. Uh, on episode 315 of MK, while discussing Rachmaninoff's previous opponents, Professor Salt and Pepper referenced South African fighter Carlston Harris, who is in fact Guyanese, making you dead wrong, sir. I oh, you know why because the
0: flag looks somewhat similar, but that's right. That's right. That's a fair correction. Yeah, I'll take that L. You see how I accept that L. He
1: defers to bear, to me for sentencing, Luke, but yeah, you're dead wrong on that. Um All right. fair I enough. used to I used to work in the factory with a guy from Guyana. Luke loved cricket. Loved that shit. Dude,
0: I got to tell arms. you if this if they're not speaking Portuguese or Spanish on uh, South America, I am even then I'm probably woefully ignorant, but if they're not doing those things, I am like Amazingly ignorant about it, unfortunately. So okay. I should, well, look, you know that
1: more. that game I played with you a couple weeks ago. Like, if I'm gonna, I want to reinvent myself in the UK, and I know I'm Welsh. I know it, Luke. Even though I got a Scottish name and I'm one eighth Irish, I know yeah. I'd be, I'd, I'd fit in in Wales, bro. Me and the Calzaghes, man, we would tear that place up. What's the South American home for BC? What country and their people match up with my idiosyncrasies and philosophy and culture?
0: That's a, bitch, you ain't like any of them. <laughs> um, Yo, I bet you I could fit in in some circles of Paraguay. I'm telling you this, okay? I don't know shit about Paraguay. I know very little about Paraguay, but like, oh, you know what? They're pretty tolerant in uh, Uruguay. Um, like, like I've heard good things about Montevideo. I've heard good things, like there's weed that's legal down there, and that's pretty great. The, um, maybe you could fit in Argentina. The Argentines are wildly racist. You could do that. <laughs>
1: You always say that. You know what I know about Argentina? That they're badasses in the boxing ring, Luke. And they get jail tats all over them. They just cover themselves in jail tats and then they box the
0: shit. They're basically... This is hard to understand for someone... And I've never been to Argentina, so it's not like I'm some expert. But everyone from South America tells me this. The Argentines basically consider themselves Europeans who just happen to live in uh, in South America. Which there is obviously a great degree of truth to that, but not entirely. Yeah. Think it's Ginobili,
1: right? G- Ginobili looks Italian, Luke, right?
0: He does. And look, dude, look at Leo Messi. Look at a lot of those guys. But then, yeah. you know, there's a lot of them that don't look anything like that. And, uh, you know, their economy is a mess. I've heard I, I, one of my, like, go-to places, like, on the map <laughs> where I really want to go is Buenos Aires. I really, I really, uh, I, I really want to go. Yeah, but, thank uh, you. But, um, but they are, you know, I'll never forget. And every, every, I had so many people from South America be like, dude, that's just how we talked on here. Yes. Y'all are racist as shit in South America. All parts of it. But when I saw those Argentine dudes summon the help at the pool. By the way, all the help is always... The, the class divisions in, in South America are crazy. Summon him by his race. And then people tried to excuse that. I'm like, if you think that is normal or it's normal in your country, it's because your country is racist as shit. I hope everybody understands wow. that. Okay? yeah, You oh. don't summon people who are working and working-class people to help you by noting their race. That's not acceptable.
1: Big, big words from a big man here, the son of the American national himself, Luke Dude, Thomas. Dude, they, yes. they
0: try to normalize, oh, it's just how we talk down here. Yes, because y'all are racist as fuck. That's why. That's why.
1: Luke, do you have a—I don't know your middle name. Is it like—it's it probably, probably like presidential. It's probably like Luke—like Luke Roosevelt Thomas or something like that, right?
0: Yes, Luke Roosevelt Thomas. That's right. That's— <laughs> I'm gonna go with that from now on what is your what is your middle name, Luke? I'm not telling you motherfucker,
1: oh okay, wow, wow, it's like not like I asked for your only pipes password. I mean, come on, Luke, seriously <laughs> here bro right, damn I guess I guess we'll keep going all right this one's from only Harry pipes password. don't know if it's uh dirty Harry Harry colon uh in the latest episode b c managed to dead wrong himself twice in less than five minutes around the one hour forty five mark he referenced the double knockdown in Rocky 3 Did I? Because that's a bad dead wrong. That was, of course, in the Apollo Creed rematch, which was Rocky Two. very noted, the, the final fight scene, amazing. A few minutes later, while discussing Aisha, BC named the members of another bad creation as Chris Rock Red Dave Rowe. Either you fell off the wagon and had a gas station hot dog in your mouth, or you simply forgot that it's Mark, not Rock. Okay, yeah, right? Now, i can guess why my 90s brain would say chris rock red but it's chris mark red dave Rowe. that's fair
0: by the way is, at what point are we allowed to say that like not everything about rocky is great like the first movie is amazing oh don't do this hold bullshit. on hold on let me but finish you, this i, I have I, 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 I haven't even i haven't even have finished my point i mean i haven't even argued what i'm trying to argue rocky oh, 2 I'm is ready. great rocky 2 is great rocky 3 i liked a lot but come on everything after that is kind of some bullshit for the most part, right?
1: Rocky Four's the best one, dude. Come on. Fuck I mean, what's wrong with you?
0: Rocky is well, the vi- Rocky Four is better than Rocky, really?
1: Okay. Rocky is the is the best actual movie of the of the, all of them. Okay. But what's the one you're gonna go back to? I mean, Rocky Three is in this dis- this discussion as well. I think as the best, but Four, dude, Four, it's, uh, dude, yes, it's eighties cheesy and propaganda and all that. But it's like it doesn't hide from who it is. It's a hundred percent of that. It's like saying, okay, we did sell our soul a bit by making a pop hit but it's the greatest pop rock song you've ever heard. Like, Dance the Night Away by Van Halen. I know, like, sometimes we're like, man, was it really that cool? Yeah, it was fucking that cool. That song's amazing. Yeah, Dance
0: okay, the Night like, Away sucked. I will grant that Rocky IV is not terrible. It's definitely not terrible. But as a movie... Not terrible, it does it... that's
1: un-American. You're in the, you... I'm
0: not saying... I'm, listen, I'm saying it's not terrible. But as a movie, it doesn't compare to Rocky. Like, as a movie.
1: Okay, as, as an Academy Award winner or nominee, yes. But as a... <sighs> I mean, three's badass, Luke, and also Rocky Balboa, which is technically number six. Oh, badass man. I mean, I got no. some issues.
0: now okay, I'll, I'll grant you that I may be a little harsh on Rocky Four. Fine, I'll dial back some of the criticism. Fucking was—is that the one with Mason Dixon?
1: Yes. So it's—it's it's a. I I didn't like the ending in that whole scene, and it was you know they kind of just—it was a trope. It was recycled. But there was a lot of heart in that movie, though, Luke, the first, you know, three quarters of it. And I think Rocky acted his ass off in that role. And uh, at least it took that stain of Rocky V away. And now with the with the, you know, the Creed ones, I, I, I you know, I think they repaired all the holes, Luke. OK, uh,
0: they, did. Yeah. they did. Oh, no. Oh, right. Well, uh, I did like Creed a lot. Creed one um, was good, man. Creed yeah. one was good. I just didn't like. It's not. It's good. It's very good. Like you should see it if you haven't seen it. But it's definitely not Rocky. It's good.
1: Yeah. It's not Rocky. Like Rocky Three had this energy to it, Luke. That none of the none of them have that like, after Rocky Four. That energy's gone. You know what I'm saying? It's alive. You know Luke? Rocky Three yeah. was some. I mean, dude, you had Mr. T. You had Hulk Hogan. I mean, that was like, that was a phenomenal movie. Yes. Uh, Mark or Harry? I'm sorry. Dirty Harry closes with. The only thing more impressive than B.C.'s range of references is his ability to dead wrong himself in multiple disciplines. All right. Thank you very much, Harry. Uh, Let's go over to Kevin. He says, hi, Donks. Sliding into ding B.C. for the slip of the tongue on Friday's show at two hours and three minutes. He says, breaking news from the University of Colorado at Buffalo. Phil McKagan has been named. uh, uh, What what was he named? It wasn't assistant. It was associate. Oh, I didn't even
0: catch that. Because they are the Buffaloes, right? But it's in Boulder.
1: He says, B.C., this is dead wrong because the University of Colorado (laughs) is in Boulder. Ralphie the Buffalo is their mascot and the source of their team's name. I would expect B.C. to know better. C.U. Boulder being the alma mater of one former UFC fighter and current stand-up comedian, Brendan Schaub.
0: I think there's going to be a Brendan Schaub reference on this show every single time. You're on it. I didn't Whether make it. Dead, I know you didn't make it. I know you didn't make it. But Kevin, if, I
1: accept your you're you're dead wrong if I said at Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, I probably said it. I'm an asshole, okay? But shout out to Phil McKagan, just the same, yes, okay?
0: Shout out shouts out to Coach Phil. He's out there doing big things. Do you think Coach Phil uh like lumbered
1: around pipe at, at the University of Maine, Luke. I mean, they don't—they don't know athletes like him up up in that state. The women—they yeah. don't, you know—they weren't prepared for that. You know, he's
0: probably—he was definitely a plumber. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> up
1: in <his> time there. <laughs> All right, uh, this is from Kay and Michael on Monday's episode 316 at one hour and eight minutes. BC says he told Luke in 2018 on the MMA beat that Woodley would KO Till as an example of when he predicted something right. Classic BC when he's trying too hard to to be right, he is also dead wrong. Woodley Uh-oh. did drop Till, but it was the submission with the Dars when he got his right. back. He got his black belt after that fight. Woodley did the fi- That was the last time Woodley From was Dean on the Thomas, top of the
0: mountain.
1: Yeah. Or I mean, he did. Did he beat D- Demi and Mai after that? But that that was the last like badass uh, performance there. Yeah, I'll take that. out. you're right. It was a submission. I not only said that would happen on that one episode, Luke. I said. TJ's gonna knock out Cody a second time. And you're like, we'll have to see. <laughs> we'll see, BC. You know, I am not as clairvoyant as you. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah. That's that you're gonna go with that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm just gonna let the dust settle. Okay. Let's get back to our red scheduled schedule programming. This is from Julio with a G, Luke. He's from Montreal. He's a French-Canadian piece of shit like me. All right. Greetings, All right. Dad Bods. On Tuesday's episode of Extra Credit. Luke declared that Brian Kelleher is the only fighter who's ever been on the MMA beat no, panel. No, that's not true.
0: Jesus, it was Yeah, McFarlane. Yes, uh, I forgot.
1: My question to you, Luke, is what does Hawaii got to do to get some respect around these parts? Former Bellator flyweight queen, queen Le McFarlane was once a beat panelist and a good one at that. That episode was also the first time there were two women on the MMA beat panel. Make sure to keep jeweling, <laughs> you old piece of shit. <laughs> he means your jewel stick, Luke. You durnal. <laughs>
0: That's a good one. That's a good one. Dude, it's All so right. easy to make fun of people who vape. Even I realize that. Yeah, uh, yeah, so apologies. Can... Yes, I forgot about <clears> Mr. <name throat> Farland. I have tried to bury those memories, and as a consequence, uh, I have forgotten some important details. Yes.
1: Yeah. What? What what You know, as much as I want to uh, make myself the A team, Luke, I was just a, a little sprinkle on top of that ice cream. Uh, and I also was there as the ship went into the ground. Uh, but we did resurrect, we did pivot nicely. Uh, Luke, yeah. what is the A team in your mind? What, what is the four best that were ever the, together? At well,
0: it's time? not even the four best. It was that we had, a, we called ourselves the A team during this run. So it kind of is a thing, like uh, identifiably. It was Ariel, me, Chuck, and uh, Jeff Wagenheim. That was the original A team. Um, and we had called ourselves that un- unfairly, perhaps, but we did. And uh, yeah, that I mean, there were some fun times. I mean, maybe please don't misunderstand me. But by the time I was ready to, to your words, make a pivot, I was ready to, uh, you know, forget a lot of things. So. Yeah, thank you. Also, uh, Mike
1: Chiappetta, Connecticut's own, was on the first episode along with you and Ariel of the MMA Beat
0: that's right it was actually just us three it was just yeah. us three Yeah, i have
1: to not, it, look it's 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 part of
0: our origin story luke okay you and
1: i it is know?
0: no no don't get me wrong there was many many good times many many good times
1: i mean it was really nice of ariel to never ask me one time in the first 199 episodes of that show luke Take it up with him, bro. Take it up with him. (laughs) No, I wasn't covering MMA for most of that. All right, I was behind the scenes, Luke, as an editor. Nobody cares about you when you're an editor. Uh, This is from Mike. Dear Luke and BC, just thought I'd let you know that BC was dead wrong at an hour and 28 seconds of Saturday's Instant Reaction Show when he said that Alex Padeta has had three challenges, referring to three UFC fights, and that he passed all of them via stoppage. This is not true. Despite badly wobbling Bruno Silva in round three of their fight, Pedata did not get the KO. Silva survived. Unanimous decision. Luke, start screwing up more. I'm sick of dead wronging BC. It's sincerely, it's Mike. Okay, well, okay, Mike. You're, so, so you got me. You know, did, what you, that did
0: you do the Izzy homework and go back and watch the first two fights? No, not yet. I'm waiting for them to fight each other first, Luke. It turns out they have. It turns out they have.
1: What you and I should do is re-watch them together on, like, an MK
0: thing. I love that idea. I love that idea. That's a great idea, BC. You should do that. I got
1: a lot of them, Luke. You know, part of this show's, you know, fabric is my my prints, my my toe prints. So so
0: after this show, are you going to go, and uh, if you want to see Luke and BC relive the action between Izzy and Pereira 1 and 2... Meet us on the MK Only Pipes account where you can see <laughs> that and much more. Dude,
1: MK Only Pipes would be lit, dude. That would be wow, wow. Yeah. It would just
0: it would just be Phil doing all the weird things Phil does, you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: Filthy Phil would be great on that site. I'd never watch any of his content though. It'd be so gross. Okay. Uh this one's from uh Faison. Afternoon from England, donks. I expect it more from BC. But both of you low-T zeros have displayed your lack of geographic knowledge in previous weeks with deficient yes. knowledge of Wales, Scotland, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, etc. Some 14- of that
0: some of that wasn't geography. It was flag-associated content. But yes, it's in general a fair criticism. But
1: at 1426 of the John Jones High Court episode, BC says that Habib beat Dustin in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> well, BC, I know you think... That all countries in that region are the same, so whatever. But the fight was in Fight Island, Abu Dhabi, which is in the UAE. You foggy-brained, imminent liver-failing, having buffoon. I uh, love you guys, though. Keep up the good work, literal day one fan. It's Fazan from Wilmslow, England. Current residents of my town being Tyson Fury and Cristiano Ronaldo. Wow! Wow!
0: Luke. Wow! Shout out to I Fizan, bet he doesn't though. live as nicely as either, though. You know no, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, Luke, I, I did butcher that, but you know, I was, <laughs> wasn't really all that with it when we filmed that episode to tell you the I'm truth. I'm told Luke, I've okay. been to
0: Saudi Arabia as a kid, but I must have been like less than two because I have no memories of it. So, Did you go
1: for a golf tournament uh, co-hosted by Phil Mickelson as he just puts all that blood money in his armpit, Luke?
0: No, no. My dad yeah. had a... I wouldn't call it... I don't know if it's even noble is the word anymore, but uh, my dad was working for the State Department at the time, so... <laughs> Working with his pipe probably Luke, to bring water to
1: the to the fine folks of Saudi Arabia. Yes. Thank you. All right. Uh wow, that's a
0: hard no sell Come on. I love Robert Are they Thomas. Thirsty? Oh, because it's like desert there. Is that what you're saying?
1: I mean, I'm not saying that I, I I I'm not saying I always get you off the right exit, but I do get you. I do, you know, yeah, okay. Uh finally, Luke, you know Telvin Kipapa, right? Our our fan from Hawaii? Yes. He says Aloha guys. On episode 319 at 109, into the video, you guys said Kimbo Slice versus Seth Petrozelli was an Elite XC event on Showtime, but it was actually an event on CBS, which led to the promotion folding. Oh, my God, folding.
0: I forgot about that. It actually Jesus. was
1: the, the end. It was the end of the end, yeah. Yes, it all was. The, good, the,
0: the, the, tent, the tent flaps came up after that, yeah. Uh,
1: all good. P.S. Luke, keep drinking the way you be drinking could lead you to becoming governor of Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have a good one. Aloha. Thank Dude, that you, whole, Oh, my
0: God. That First of all, it's a great zing, but I got to tell you, that whole thing about him running for governor is just, I find it yeah. mostly depressing, to be honest yeah. with
1: you. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Uh, morningcombat at gmail.com. We'll get you fan subs on Wednesday.
0: Dead wrong. Excuse I will me. say one thing about these dead wrongs that people fail to appreciate that we have to feel it because we obviously we say stupid shit and then people call us out on it. Our audience is very international, and so we can't get away, I mean, we still are, but we can't, fu- I'll say this, we can't fully get away with being some ignorant Americans who can just say whatever they want, and it's like, you know, oh, uh, you know, whenever I go to a place, I expect them to speak English and all that bullshit. We, they, our audience won't let us do that. Our, yeah. It's a worldly audience, and they, they, they take us to task.
1: But even though I respect our worldly audience, if I go to your place and your toilet is a hole in the floor, I'm not going to have good things to say about your place, Luke.
0: You know what? I, I would like to say that's unfair, but I have traveled to these places, and I have also found that unpleasant, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to co-sign on that.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I mean, can you put a, a seat on it at least or uh, something? Dude, I mean, come I on. I told you.
0: I told you in the middle of fucking Istanbul, this guy was charging one lira to tear pages out of a phone book to go wipe <laughs> your rear end, and I was like no don't get me wrong like there was a lot of like most places in istanbul yeah. are not like this but like in the old quarter where you know places have been around for centuries or whatever like in the new places like besiktas and whatever it was fine but in some of the old quarters bro nope nope not gonna say nice things about that nope, nope. sorry not gonna do that
1: if you want me to visit your country do a live mk in your city if we do a wwf in your house mk style you better not have just a hole it's, in the floor
0: istanbul is cool though it's cool Istanbul's is cool all right. All right. I, I had another
1: good joke cooking, but I think I lost it, Luke. It's not Was good it Constantinople? You were doing Echo <laughs> and the Bunny Man or some shit? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. I forgot what we were even talking about, Luke. But uh, I think it's time to wrap this shit up anyway. Here's a nice reminder, though MorningCombat.store right now through Monday, 20% off yes everything okay we want you if you've been holding out saying oh i want to support these guys but i don't know now's your time we got international flat rate shipping we got a lot of good stuff going on tell tell rj that we sent you directly morningcombat.store get your 20 percent. look good the summer the winter whatever you're into okay we got winter we got all that shit so uh, check that out You know about Showtime.com. You know Championship Boxing is back 9 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Bellator will be lingering right around the corner from that. And you can only get it by going to Showtime.com for your 30 days for free right now. It's the (laughs) easiest way to get it is really what I'm saying. You want it for free? Try it out. Take a test drive, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to abstain until marriage. Take the test drive and bang, Showtime. And if you're not going to pound sand at the end, you're probably going to get off and like it. You know what I mean, Luke?
0: There's a lot of statements you're making there, and I couldn't follow <laughs> half of them. Okay, there you go.
1: Follow me to unemployment. My name is BC. Uh, thank you. Uh, anything else, Luke? You got anything else for, for uh I'm going nice to do
0: stuff? my live chat. I didn't do it yesterday because I was tired as balls, but I'm feeling a lot better today. So today at 3 p.m., 3 p.m. East Coast time, so in about two hours, I am going to do my live chat. You can check that out, youtube.com slash Luke Thomas.
1: Uh, make sure to bring your rubles and lira for that super chat, Luke that can get you right to the front of the line.
0: You're, you're so bitter about that. I'm still paying off that office disaster that I have to do. So they're very critical to that, believe me.
1: Luke, in hindsight,
0: what went wrong with the office? The, the, the idea to get a, everything about the concept of it was correct. It was the execution and the lack of, because they, they, when you tour these places, they don't, you don't get, to, we didn't tour it with equipment and I just wasn't thinking straight. It would just need a lot of sound treatment that would be too difficult to do for the amount of effort that would go into it. Also, like, um, I'm gonna, like, my wife's brother in law was living with us, but now he's moving to Miami. He actually bought a place down there. So now I'm gonna have downstairs, uh, like the whole area down there, which is fully carpeted, by the way, which is great for sound. Like, it just doesn't, that, that money, if I had it to go to an office where I could sound treat it properly, it would make a lot of sense. But it doesn't make sense for it in the current condition. So, right idea, bad. As we say in the Marine Corps, um, good initiative, bad judgment. So, yeah, there you Semper
1: Fi, go. never die. Uh, it goes without saying that Uncle Pepe broke in that basement once or twice, Luke. What? Uh, Pepe, basement, libido. You can do the math. I think you're just making the dumb joke. Can we go? Can we go? I mean, let me talk about only... But all right, Sorry, Luke, that'll be it. Luke, did you ever use a bidet? That's what I was going to ask you
0: earlier. I had a whole bit. Have I ever used bits. one in my life? Yes. Yes. Is, did you like it? Takes some getting used to. Okay. Takes some getting used to.
1: <laughs> so, so, yeah, so does a prostate exam, Luke. All right, there we go. Let me just go. say this. Um,
0: you, you see, you're, you're not thinking of the middle ground. There are countries I've been to where you do actually have a real commode to sit on, and you use paper, but the paper doesn't go in the toilet; it goes in the trash, even after you use it. Uh, even that is pretty trifling. I gotta say, that's oh trifling. My
1: God, this, this is wow. All right, uh, that's it for our show this week. Uh, enjoy the fights this weekend, uh, Luke. I got some time issues next week. I'm not sure what next week's gonna look like, but I'll, yeah. if, if you want to, if you want me, I'll be there. All right. We'll figure something out. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll make we'll make magic happen. Uh, if you want to see us m- on the road live, a-, a way to maybe make that happen, vote for us. Podcast awards called the People's Choice Podcast uh, Group. There, Luke. If we can, fl- can we put that thing on one more time?
0: Jesus, can we end the show for best Fox's male sake.
1: hosted show? Best sports podcast. Can we put that lower th- that thing with the uh, um. All right, we don't have a lower for that. Okay, uh, check it out on our YouTube uh, description, top of the sentence. You click on that, you vote for it. Luke, I don't, I, dude, you think I want to end this show properly, Luke? Why don't we just go? All right, for uh, Long Island Luke and Gaff on the ones and twos, that's Luke Thomas right there. I'm Brian Campbell. May all of your ex lovers stay satisfied.